everybody and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, volume 6, issue 286. Today we'll be talking about Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat 2, Mortal Kombat 3, Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3, and briefly the Mortal Kombat trilogy, which was a separate release. And we'll be rattling through all of that good early Mortal Kombat stuff, the first few years of that mighty franchise. But you can play along with our other shows coming up. We have uh, listed shows up to and including issue 300 at the end of the year. But if you go to canerince.com, you'll find that our next five include Blade Runner, the point-and-click adventure game from 20 years ago. After that, it's the Room Trilogy, puzzle box games for uh, mainly for mobile, I think. Uh, Soma and Bayonetta 2 and Grim Fandango, much requested show to tie in with uh, Halloween time and, of course, the Mexican Day of the Dead Festival. As I've said before, it's almost like we plan these things. Hopefully that will work out neatly. Head to canerince.com, as I say, for that schedule, as well as features and articles and reviews and links to the other things, such as our forum, our Facebook page and our YouTube channel. And you can support all this fine, fine work that we do and all the podcasts that we produce via our Patreon. Uh, if you donate a dollar a month, which is uh, less than a euro, it's around 80 pence currently. Uh, it really helps us keep on doing what we do. We plow it back in. Uh, for every hour that you listen to of Cane and Rinse, we put in something like 15 man or woman hours. Uh, and we even have a, a, a challenge, which is to hit a target of $3,000 a month by mid-November when we start to think about next year's shows. And if we've got enough in the kitty and we're getting enough in the kitty, we'll make twice as many shows for you in 2018 and potentially beyond. So 100 games will be covered um, or games and franchises possibly in some cases uh, rather than measly old 50 as we do now uh, that's patreon.com slash canerince and help make it happen uh, if you want to just generally make us feel loved but also contribute a few quid you can go to the shop shop.spreadshirt.co.uk slash canerince buy our t-shirts and bags and we particularly love it if you send a photo of uh, of you wearing them especially in exotic locations or with nothing on your lower half Please, please also check out our video games. I didn't mean that. Please also check out our music podcast, uh, Sound of Play, uh, which we feature normally nine, sometimes more pieces of video games music. And we also have uh, guests from the community and from the team and composers who work in the industry. And it's a good time. Please review, rate and subscribe to both that and this on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from. So without further ado, joining me, Leon Cox, in issue 286 are Carl Moon. Hey, guys. And Sean O'Brien. Hello, hello. It's just the three of us yeah. uh, talking about uh, sort of five games, but um, it's kind of three games, really. Three mm -hmm. actual full-blown, full-blooded games. Uh, so Mortal Kombat Midway uh, back in 1992. Inspirations were to create an action game. Uh, featuring a martial arts film star in digitised form, someone along the lines of Jean-Claude Van Damme. However, he was unavailable as he was working on another company uh, for a game which never actually happened. Although, of course, if you want to play as a digitised Jean-Claude Van Damme, you can seek out Street Fighter, the movie, the game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in the end, Van Damme is actually parodied in the game, of course, with Johnny Cage, uh, a narcissistic and arrogant Hollywood movie star who performs a split punch to the groin uh, in a nod to that famous moment from the classic movie Bloodsport. <laughs> uh, other inspirations almost certainly include Bruce Lee films such as Enter the Dragon, John Carpenter's Big Trouble in Little China, 
Uh, I would suggest, this is my suggestion, but the Atari Coinop Pit Fighter featured yeah. mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. digitized uh, characters, but also sprite scaling, and uh, it looks a flipping mess now, I tell you. <laughs> uh, and I guess we can't really suggest uh, that Mortal Kombat and Midway weren't at least looking at the fact that Street Fighter 2 had come out a year earlier and was making uh, an enormous amount of money. Uh, working titles for the game included Death Blow, Dragon Attack, Fatality, as you might expect, uh, Kumite, and simply Combat with a K. Uh, and then at some point in the process, somebody suggested that they add Mortal to the title, and so it was born. Uh, it was published by Taito in Japan, because uh, Midway didn't have a uh, distributing arm over there, I guess. Uh, Ed Boone is a designer, of course, uh, worked on pinball machines at Midway Williams uh, from 1987. Also then worked on the video games High Impact Football, Super High Impact, and Total Carnage, uh, in which he starred as the voice of the villain, General Akboob. Uh, He is still uh, involved in making Mortal Kombat right right up to and including, or heavily involved, I should say, right up to and including the latest versions. And he provided the voice for Scorpion's Get Over Here uh, and Come Here, as said in every installment of the series and the the movies too. Uh, This was along with John Tobias, uh, an artist at Midway. So John Tobias is now at Zynga, uh, but he was an artist for the real Ghostbusters comic book before joining Midway. Uh, His career plan was to be a comic book artist, uh, but the graphics getting better in video games persuaded him that he might want to work in uh, the digital arts. Uh, He also worked on Smash TV. We covered Robotron 24 and Canerins earlier this year, uh, to which Smash TV is a spiritual successor come sequel uh, the music and sound is almost entirely done by dan forden more of which later and the game came out on october the 8th 1992 which means it's uh, very nearly 25 years of mortal Kombat. the resolution of the cabinet just to uh, say was 400 by 254 which uh, was a, a a resolution that was retained up to and including all the games that we're covering in uh, this podcast. Uh, obviously, the home versions varied somewhat, mainly lower res. Uh, but it's interesting because at the time that looked extremely high resolution in 1992. Mm. And it doesn't so much now, uh, to my <laughs> eyes anyway. So uh, before we hear our own histories, here's one from the forum, Blue Weasel Breath. Mortal Kombat showed up one day in the skating rink arcade where we used to go every Friday as part of my elementary after-school programme. It stood out among the beloved Simpsons beat-em-up arch-rivals and narc cabinets due to its legendary graphic violence. I think it was only the second fighting game I'd played after Street Fighter 2, although a pit fighter cabinet made a sad but valiant effort at some point in the same arcade around that time. At the time, the graphics of Mortal Kombat were astounding to me. The blood was funny, the finishing moves were revelatory, and something about the two palette swap ninjas was very compelling, as preposterous as the idea of brightly clad ninjas is in hindsight. (laughs) We kids snickered at Johnny Cage's nut punch and also the fact that he gallantly refrains from punching Sonya's crutch. Scorpion was always my favourite character to play, although I never got very far in the game. I'd usually watch and marvel at the older kids as they kicked ass, but I don't recall ever seeing anyone get farther than Goro at the time. In retrospect, it's unthinkable that a modern school district would be able to let first and second graders run amok at an arcade where a game this revolutionarily violent was present without parental outcry, public outrage, social media shaming campaign and national news coverage. In 1992, it was par for the course and nobody must have complained as the school programme continued taking us there for years as each subsequent instalment arrived. 
A few years after its release on a cruise ship arcade, I had enough quarters to sink some real time into the original Mortal Kombat arcade game, and already it felt a bit dated. MK3 was already out by then, though still enjoyable. But when I played the original MK and SF2 via MAME I, a few months back, I found that Street Fighter had aged really well, but Mortal Kombat felt really staid and sluggish and boring and a bit ugly. Uh, that's just as, yes, yeah, talking about the first game. Also, Alex, 79 UK. I've kind of fallen out of love with the Mortal Kombat series these days, but back when I was a kid, I was absolutely mad on them. The first time I played the original must have been around release time. A grocery shop just up the road from us when we were little used to have an arcade cabinet shoved up one dark corner. Over time, I played Turtles, Street Fighter 2, R-Type and Mortal Kombat. I remember very clearly being really excited when they got it in. My brother and I would run up there each week with our pocket money and play it till it ran out. A while later, it got a home console release. We had a Sega Master System at the time and a friend who also had one got a copy for Christmas. I remember the tight git made me loan him about 10 of my games just to borrow Mortal Kombat off him for a couple of days. It was worth it, though. Despite being an incredibly neutered version of the game with only two backgrounds and a shocking frame rate, my brother and I loved the hell out of it. When we finally joined the 16-bit era, Mortal Kombat was one of the first games we picked up. I still remember the Mega Drive blood code like it was yesterday. Abacab. Years later, I even used that finger pattern when practising guitar. <laughs> we were blown about. We were blown about by the port. In our heads, it was arcade perfect. Of course it wasn't, though. And one more before we hear from us. Uh, Max Stat says, Mortal Kombat was one of those games I always wanted to play when I was younger because of all its gore. Let's face it, fatality was its main feature and most young boys played it for the same reason. To rip someone's spine out or smash skull or burn bodies till nice charred skeleton is all that remains. <laughs> Underneath this, there was also quite a competent fighting game, very different in nature than its main rival of the time, Street Fighter 2. Mortal Kombat was always less about combos, but on the other hand, if I'm not mistaken, was one of the first games that tried a bit of juggling. Nothing as crazy as you see these days, but you could chain two or three hits. There's also two important differences that made this game in comparison to other beat-em-ups significantly more playable on PC. First of all, it was slower than Street Fighter, and special abilities that were a very important part of the game were more forgiving to do. Other thing is almost no quarter and half circle moves. If anyone played Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo on keyboard, they'll probably know what I'm talking about, how difficult some supers were to pull off. Mortal Kombat, on the other hand, had a lot of one-direction combinations like left-left low punch, which was much more friendly for PC players. My memories are mostly from MK1 and 2. After that, I played a little bit of MK3, but it was only downhill from there. Unfortunately, novelty of fatalities quickly wore off and the series did not improve enough to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the competition. When in 1997 Tekken 3 came out, Mortal Kombat seemed really ancient in comparison. So some uh, overarching impressions and uh, memories there. But how about ourselves? Carl, you uh, often talk about your arcade childhood. Were you allowed near the, uh, the horrors of the Mortal Kombat machine? Yeah, of course I was. Um... <laughs> This was the early 90s, no one cared. Uh, yeah, it was. I was brought up uh, in seaside towns around the UK, so sort of the red car area uh, was the most local to me, but also Margate when I was visiting down south. So I was always surrounded by an incredible number of arcade machines, and thankfully they were the kinds of arcades that kept sort of stocked with the, uh, the latest and greatest games, and Mortal Kombat had certainly been one of them. Um, I wasn't short on a few, on a few twenty pences for Mortal Kombat back in the day. Um, so yeah, that was my first introduction to to the original Mortal Kombat game. Yeah, was in Red Car, 
uh, it had been installed just around the corner from the Street Fighter 2 unit. It was sort of a back-facing wall on a pillar. So one side um, would, would be the Mortal Kombat sounds and the other would be the Street Fighter mm. sounds. And this was back in the day where people would sort of gather after work or after school and there'd be crowds of people huddled sort of three, four deep at a unit. So you would have one big crowd on one side of the arcade um, yeah. on this sort of central pillar dividing wall and then Mortal Kombat on the other and it was just an incredible memory and then you know you'd get forward uh, finally sort of find your place to play on this tiny little kid that's sort of on his tiptoes to see the best of the screen almost compared <laughs> to these adults who um, many of which I would hazard a guess weren't actually working and, and uh, very well practiced and versed in the game uh, I didn't last very long let's just put it that way so it was usually yep. a Saturday morning game with friends we'd go on and then that's when I'd sort of get my real time to Mortal Kombat in the arcades um, and then uh, that would, I would later bought Mortal Kombat one on the Amiga. Ah uh, yes, uh, I was going to talk about this version too because it was yeah. a, it was a pretty fine port. It was a pretty good port, and the crazy thing is, I can't remember how it would play with just one button, but I really enjoyed it. And I, it was um, I got this in 1994. Yeah, uh, I'd turned ten. Um, I can't remember when in '94 it released, but I'm thinking it must have been the the very first week because I seem to remember getting it for it was my early. birthday. Um, yeah. And my birthday is the 7th of January, so we're talking sort of very first week of the year. And uh, the new game store had just been uh, built in Middlesbrough, and I remember waiting around, and I'm there with my dad. Uh, <laughs> I'm this tiny kid, and I'm clutching this box of Mortal Kombat on the Amiga to my chest whilst all the others around me are sort of <laughs> picking up sort of what you just... the games that you would expect me to be holding, Um yeah, just a really vivid memory of having Mortal Kombat 1 and yeah, a birthday present for me as, as a sprightly 10-year-old on the Commodore Amiga. Did you get as far as uh, Goro and Shang Tsung on the Amiga? I absolutely rinsed the Amiga 1. Um, yeah. And this was back in the days where we would be waiting months and months for magazines to come out with the actual fatalities. I'd yeah. found out all the fatalities except for Liu Kang, which was driving me absolutely <laughs> insane until one day much akin to the way that i swear i inputted a cheat code into goal uh, on yeah. the amiga uh, so that i became invincible yeah. in this did the same thing finally pulled off the uh, Liu kang sort of forward cartwheel kick uppercut mm. uh, fatality that he had in the original mortal kombat <laughs> and to this day i remember it was hold forwards half circle back forwards mm. um button as it was on the Amiga and I leapt out my seat kicked the seat over started cheering that a month after I discovered everyone else's fatalities I finally did uh, Liu Kang's um, yeah and I played the heck out of that game on the Amiga pleasingly I accidentally did uh, Liu Kang's Mortal Kombat 1 fatality when I was playing it uh, on the 360 the other week so yeah <laughs> uh, good stuff uh, Sean Mortal Kombat mm. 1 yeah, um, I, so my memory is usually incredibly bad, and especially going this far back, it's it's I can't tell if yeah, for what sure. Yeah, it with this, you? I don't too know. Many, it's a, yeah, it's just really it's it's too garbage. many substances, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> so so I remember um, I do remember going uh, to this one place. It was called Discovery Zone, and mm. I don't know if they had the server where you guys are at, but it's, where's this in in what town? Oh, uh, this is in uh, Philadelphia, Northeast Philly. Yeah. Um, and uh it was just a it was kind of Fresh like you take, hanging out <laughs> that was west philly uh you could Sorry. um 
take your kids uh, and uh, drop them off. And there was like, so they'd have like a um, a jungle gym area and an arcade area and bowling mm. and all this kind of stuff. Like just just, just drop your kids off and, and let them do whatever. Um, and I remember because I was playing games at the time, I kind of walk around the arcade and I remember specifically hearing come over here. Um <laughs> <laughs> so I so I did. I went over there, and uh, I didn't realize that it was actually coming from uh, the arcade cabinet. And I was like, "Oh my god!" I like this. You know, I'm hearing all these sounds, and and I look up and I see um, these graphics. And at that time, like for me, I was. I, I mean, I can't remember if this is literally when it came out, but I would have been ten. Mm. Um, uh, but I do remember seeing that screen for the first time, being like, "Oh my god, these guys look so real!" Yeah, and um, and that just that kind of started my uh obsession with like the latest and greatest and 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 looking you know as realistic as as games can get and that being like always being really impressive to me um and so i remember like playing it a bunch at the arcade and my parents not really knowing about it then my dad finding out and being like "Ah, that's cool fine no whatever um but my mom uh not being so hot on it so i i never did really get the uh home version Okay. Of Mortal Kombat One, um, but I, I played it at friends' house and stuff like that. But yeah, it was mostly more of an arcade experience for me. Yeah, so the uh, you've you've played it recently, Mortal Kombat One, in, right, yeah. in which it, what is fairly much arcade perfect with a, a few very minor emulation mm-hmm. issues on the Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty. There's also a PS Three version, ar- yeah. uh, the arcade collection. There was also a PC version, which has I believe been withdrawn from sale for some licensing mm-hmm. reason. Um, and yeah, one of the first comments you made to me when you were preparing for the show was "Blimey!" I remember this game. Well, you didn't say "Blimey" because you're from <laughs> Philadelphia, not from uh, from uh, yeah. Victorian England. But um, <laughs> but, but you uh, you were sort of. Uh, it was one of those occasions where you were taken aback by uh, reality not living up to memory in terms of <laughs> yeah, um, the... fidelity of graphics. Yeah, that's, that'll probably be a theme throughout the rest of the yeah. recording. Here. <laughs> yeah, I think. I think the visuals of the first game uh, have dated uh, more than the, those of the sequels. I think, you know, sure, this was very yeah. much the first game. And uh, mm-hmm. I think in particular, it's the fact that they clearly had virtually no budget for the right. costumes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and like the little cameo shots that they use in the character intros, they, they literally just look like they've been taken between uh, takes of moves. It looks like they've just thrown <laughs> the, the green screen over a chair or yeah. something and just taken a picture of them goofing off mm-hmm. at the camera. It's spectacular uh, to call it Bebo. <laughs> would be giving it too much praise oh, for the yeah. standards of it. This is very it. much, yeah, this is like, this makes Night Trap look like, you know, a Paul Thomas Anderson <laughs> film or something. It's, uh, it's really, really cheap and uh, and tacky. But all, for all that, I, I think it does wonderful. retain. I, yeah, I think it does. And, and I think this is something we'll come back to. Like, it, uh, I do think that the whole Mortal Kombat thing is very tacky, but it mm-hmm. somehow, mm-hmm. it owns its tackiness so much yeah, that it's kind charming. of... It's kind of charming. Uh, yeah, I, I also, um, I remember this being at the arcades and I remember my friend Andy uh, seeing it for the first time in, I'd seen I'd seen it mentioned in CMVG and I was sort of curious because I was ex- always excited about new coin-ops. Uh, I wasn't big into Street Fighter at this point, but I was just starting to understand what the, the fuss was about. But obviously I've been playing fighting games going way back into the early mid-80s with IK and uh, uh, Karate Champ and things like that. So it wasn't, it wasn't like Street Fighter was my first fighting game. Even it was, it was, uh, uh, yeah, I was well familiar with the genre. Um, but this was having sort of admired Pit Fighter's technical uh, aspirations at the time, if not the game. Uh, this was uh, sort of an interesting development because 
we were now yeah starting to look at characters which to our our eyes of the time mm-hmm. ba- based on the fact that this was a a high resolution for a video game at this point these looked like semi photorealistic characters and that was an exciting move but i remember having this conversation with andy who saw the com- who saw the coin up in motion on a trip to the arcades before I did and I remember us having a discussion about and it's the sort of discussion we might have on Kane and Rince now but it was about better graphics like he was saying well this has better graphics than Street Fighter and I was sort of mm. saying well uh, it, you know they might be better in the sense that they're more you know technically advanced and and maybe they've got more more pixels and maybe they're closer to photorealism but that doesn't ne- necessarily mean that they are you know kind of m- more pleasing on the eye kind of thing right, and yeah. of course here we are uh, over a quarter of a century later and i think we've you know we've already had one correspondent talk about you know which which game has perhaps aged aged more kindly um mm-hmm. but obviously that will be subjective to a degree anyway uh but yes i bought the amiga version i barely played this at the arcades and this is this will go i mainly played home versions of all these games um mm-hmm. the arcade versions uh i Either it was a case of going up to somebody who was already playing, who inevitably knew a lot more than you and was much better than you, and therefore your money would be gone instantly. Or it was play the AI, which I did do a few times on each version. But the AI, as we'll discuss, uh, is (laughs) pretty cheap, uh, to Mm. say the least. And it's very much designed to... Each character has certain things that they they fall back on, and there are ways of beating each character with each character, but it's very kind of... Uh, how would you describe it? It's 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 like it's like a it's sort of it's more puzzly than anything. Yeah, it, it, to me, it felt like um, it, like so the the AI could tell which button you're pressing and then just There's mirror it. Some button reading for sure. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah ducking and blocking uh, impossibly mm-hmm. fast compared to how quickly you can execute right. moves yeah. and things like that. So yeah, actually, I think my overall Mortal Kombat feeling is colored by the fact that the ai was this uh, particularly unpleasant thing to fight because i spent i also bear in mind when this game came out i was 20 years old so i was a kind mm. of a bit too old for it really yeah <laughs> like it, yeah, it was sure. really clearly aimed at sort of 12 to 14 year olds uh i guess may, maybe 8 to 14 year olds really but with <laughs> yeah. with the gore you should probably ramp it up a bit but um yeah i was too old for it and um so my friends weren't really that keen on playing it that said i i picked up that amiga version um a second hand but original boxed copy in the mm. summer of 94 and i remember i have a really fond memory of my june uh birthday that year june 21st i had a bunch of friends around and we played mortal kombat on the amiga all afternoon and just um winner stays on and it was so much fun and we had a lot of fun you know trying to learn some of the moves and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and even people who wouldn't normally have been into it kind of got into the spirit and uh, it was a good laugh uh, and really, I didn't go back to Mortal Kombat 1 until it was released on the Xbox 360 in 2011. So let's talk a little bit about the sort of scenario and setting. Um, this is something that, again, fans are very passionate about. I should also say, uh, the three of us, none of us is like a Mortal Kombat super fan. We're all, you know, <laughs> yeah. video game enthusiasts and we've played a lot and we've read a lot, but we're not, none of us are going to be the sort of people who can name every move or immediately recall every secret from every character. If you want that podcast, this isn't going to be for you, I'm afraid. This is uh, this is more uh, an enthusiastic um, retrospective, but not a, 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 a kind of 
premier guide to everything Mortal Kombat. We we can't do that for you. Um, but yeah, the, the scenario and setting I always found slightly odd. So the, the first game is very much infused with martial arts moving stuff, but then it's got mm-hmm. this slightly odd uh, fantasy edge, I guess, because of Street Fighter and stuff. They stuck fireballs in and various kind of teleporting <laughs> super moves. And mm-hmm. then if you get far enough and you, you, I mean, you would see it on the attract mode, but then you get to a Ray Harryhausen-esque plasticine stop frame <laughs> animation four-armed monster, which leaves yeah. you in no doubt that this is this is a fantasy game. But um, did the did this sort of scenario and setting capture your imagination back at the time carl yeah absolutely um i was a big fan of not the the harryhausen sort of films but the the likes of big trouble in little china and that kind mm. of action fantasy with a bit of fighting in um blood sport another mm. one that i absolutely loved these were the kinds of films that you'd you'd catch sort of late night channel four um and, and sort of love as like a, a eight nine ten year old so Mm -hmm. when i saw mortal kombat and you could see that clearly someone was supposed to be jean-claude van damme and and this is like the the video game version of Bloodsport, and i'm developing into this uh gamer who's sort of branching out into different kinds of things i mean i'm i'm an impressionable kid uh not impressionable in the way that suddenly i wanted to go and rip someone's spine out but impressionable Mm. that i could link the things that I was enjoying in movies to games and and sort of want to play them. So for me that when I saw Raiden for the first time, uh, especially and clearly being the reference from Big Trouble in Little China, uh, I knew that I wanted to play it sort of there and then and that that I found more character to these characters than I did Street Fighter 2, which ultimately seems ridiculous because... I love Street Fighter as a franchise for so many different reasons, but as a ten-year-old, the fact that I could actually just say that's that from that movie and that's that from that movie and, and sort of play and pick and choose between um, was was something that I sort of fell in love with in the arcade. Um, yeah, and being able to experience this sort of fantasy violence, uh, really visceral violence uh, that we just no one had seen on on this scale at least. Um, I played Pit Fighter, and that was. Well, I mean, it's a masterpiece. I, I don't think we can. I think, don't think we can disagree with that. <laughs> so we'll end the someday. conversation there. And um, <laughs> so to see a game that that was sort of moving on from that with, with a, a larger depth of roster and environment and really sort of ramping up that fantasy element, I, I knew before I'd even played it that Mortal Kombat was going to be a game that I would love as that at that age. Mm. Sean, you were a similarish age. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I knew it at the time um, that it was that I was like seeing all these influences, you know, at the time I was just kind of just wild by the, the graphics and the, and the fatalities and stuff. But looking back now, I can totally see why it was, it was so, I was so enamored with it is because, you know, there's so much eighties movie influence going on here. Um, with all the Jean-Claude Van Damme stuff, like I was really into him <laughs> when I was younger. Right. And, um, uh, you know, I was on the Bloodsport, Lionheart, uh, Double Impact and all these right. like really terrible movies. And, and like, I could just, I could just see him being part of this cast, even though it's, it's, it's got that whole fantasy element, which his movies don't tend to, or didn't mm. really tend to have. Um, but there's also like the Bruce Lee. I was really into him for a while. And Kano looks like straight out of an 80s action movie villain like he's that's exactly what he is um so I could see how like me being into that kind of stuff when I was younger that that totally is what uh drew me to this game but at the same time like I didn't know I I wasn't playing it for like a story or anything like that so I, I just, it's weird but it's it, I could see why it uh why it attracted me in 
For me, it was not that at all in that I had very little uh, interest in martial arts movies or, or mm-hmm. certainly the action stars of the 80s. So for me, it was mm-hmm. more, it was a few other things. I, it was, I, I was into Harryhausen stuff, still still am. And uh, so mm-hmm. I suppose if I got wind of that sort of sense of, uh, of something along those lines being in there, that might have appealed to me. I'm sure Goro was being screenshotted in magazines and stuff from mm-hmm. early on. And yeah. yes, he does, he does make an appearance on the... Uh, on the attract mode um it was also the fact that obviously i've been playing midway games for uh 10 years at this point or or yeah thereabouts and so i was just always excited by new video games with new mm. you know mm-hmm. new content new graphics and also there was although you know compared to the later games in the series there's very little uh, there was it was it was fairly quickly known that this game had some you know secrets and Easter eggs and not that we called them that back then but some some stuff tucked away and I'm not gonna you know I'm not gonna lie like while I didn't get any kind of you know amazing thrill out of the fatalities like it wasn't like the most amazing thing I've ever seen I was 20 <laughs> yeah. years old you know I had a girlfriend and stuff like that but um, but it was uh, but but it was cool on a in a in an audio visual sense like. Mm-hmm. Um, We'll talk about the music, um, which I never, I've never liked the Mortal Kombat music, pretty yeah. much any of it. Like, there's, it's got no, it's got no, it's deliberately non-melodic. It's percussive and, <laughs> right, um, yeah. but it's, it's generally so unmemorable. But what I will say is that it contributes to an overall f- soundscape that mm. when you factor in the cries of uh, Scorpion and the voice of Steve Ritchie, which we'll talk about, plays Shao Kahn doing the announcements and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the overall sound and the, the incredibly meaty punching noises and things like that, that, that stuff appealed to me. Uh, we, we've talked a lot before about, we even talked about it very recently in, uh, in respect of Double Dragon sequels and how the sound of punching contacts are so important to yeah, beat em up and fighting games and brawlers. And this game really, uh, I think this game probably did that uh, for me better than Street Fighter 2, the original version did, which had some quite um, sort of insipid sounding uh, contact mm-hmm. noises. Do you remember the audio, guys? Well, I think that was one of the most sort of, you've already, well, you've already mentioned it, the fact that, you know, get over here, come here, yeah. was was <laughs> yeah. like iconic. But so much of it was about, I think this really came more to fruition with MK2. I don't remember sure, it so yeah. much with the first game, but obviously when I had the home conversion. So Steve Ritchie, uh, for those who don't know, is a pretty famous um, pinball designer. He joined Atari as a pinball designer in 1974 and worked on um, a lot of pinball games for them, then moved on to Williams, which obviously uh, morphed into Midway. And it's him. It's a pinball designer. He's still, as far as I know, working on pinball games to this day. Uh, he's working on Star Trek and Star Wars pinball games and Game of Thrones pinball recently for Stern, who are one of the one of, if not the only last remaining pinball manufacturer, I think. Um, not my field of expertise. But, yeah, they got him in to do the voice. And I think they pitched it down a bit and based it up a bit. But basically, yeah, it's this, you know, because that's how video games were made those days. Although they did hire some actors to or, uh, yeah, of a level to come in and play the characters Mm. (laughs) and do the moves. um, They got Steve Ritchie to do Shao Kahn's voice and he he doesn't play him anymore, but he played him for all the games we're talking about today. And that his announcements, obviously, it's not just about the voice, but the voice combined with the things he was saying, I think, gave this coin up a real uh, identity. I mean, mm-hmm. the the link to pinball makes sense in that pinball lures people over with sound bites and sound effects mm. rather than anything mm-hmm. else, and and that is what Mortal Kombat was. 
you know, you would hear those voice phrases coming through. The sound mm-hmm. was super meaty. I remember um, everyone remembers sort of the, the time that the quick jab someone and the blood's flying out and it's like thud, 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 thud. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and you're sort of really in that moment compared to so Street Fighter, which you've already mentioned, sounded quite limp. You know, everyone remembers the sound effects for like Hadouken and whatnot. But um, in terms of the actual physical contact, sort of knuckle on skin, Mortal Kombat nailed it. It, it felt really sort of strong and, and in the moment and sort of added to that really grotesque violence that it was selling yeah. and and for me it was the the uppercut really is like mm. the, the mortal Kombat uppercut is one of the most satisfying moves that screen in, shake in any game yeah the screen yeah. shakes there's like a thud to it that is yeah. just would not re- really exist and especially if you uppercut someone they're not going to go flying up that high anyway but it was just so oh, spectacular God. to see happen and every time and then eventually you know the, of course they incorporate the toasties and all that stuff and just it was always just such a satisfying move and i think almost mm. entirely it's based on first the speed of the of the move is, is cool but it's that sound of of, of the connection, that, that deep bassy thud that happens, and then yeah, as you were saying, the blood splats and, and just oh, this is such a such a solid move. And I think yeah, I agree. The sound, the music is is totally non-existent to me. I honestly can't even remember it at all right now, <laughs> even though we've been playing it for weeks now. Um, but yeah, the sound of the of the actual moves is is fantastic. And it didn't yeah. take itself seriously at all, which I think is one no. of the key factors yeah. to Mortal Kombat's success. Um, yeah. It had a lot of games try and mimic that formula, and they took themselves so seriously that you couldn't. Mm-hmm. There was no fun there in the end. I mean, you know, Sean's already mentioned the toasty, which is so weird for it to even be there in the first place. Or yeah. Then there's the likes of, particularly Mortal Kombat 2 onwards, Liu Kang's kick, and it, it's sort of mm-hmm. almost crazy mocking. Voice, yeah. yeah, and it... Yeah. It, it, yeah. But well, it's, there are some the, questions to be asked about its depiction, but I, I yeah. think it's... Yeah, one, it's maybe, uh, maybe of, yeah I think, again, it, like... Uh, we may as well we may as well brush across it as we are. I think it has had uh, many many articles written, even right up to and including the recent versions about depiction of uh, race and gender in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like for me it's one of those where it's also scattershot and absurd. I don't think it targets any particular one group, yeah, yeah. but yes, the women all wear uh, ridiculous costumes that Skip reveal office, way too yeah. much flesh. Um, the the racial stereotypes are all incredibly broad and 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 clunky mm-hmm. um and i think if i was of a different mind i can uh, you know like i wouldn't i wouldn't be upset with anyone for finding some of this stuff offensive but sure. it's mm-hmm. it's so it, it's just so absurd to me that i find so stupid, it hard yeah. to take offense at it <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah that, that's it it sort of it sort of skirts it by just being so ridiculous in the first place <laughs> yeah. um Again, a, a model of its time. I mean, Mortal Kombat sure, sort of nine yeah. and ten look very differently to how they treat the characters. I mean, there's still always going to be that, as there is with pretty much every fighting game going around. There's always a depiction of how is something handled. I mean, even Street Fighter Five got edited for specific reasons. But yeah. Mortal, Mortal Kombat back in the early nineties, I mean, it was a whole different environment. It's twenty five years ago now, but. Um, I would say the, the women were in ridiculous outfits. The men were in ridiculous outfits. Thankfully, <laughs> Shang Tsung covered up. Um, but um, you, and they sort of maintained this formula, and you could you can sort of see it between one and then the difference to how the characters are dressed in two to three, and then mm-hmm. by, by the time it sort of hits three, they're kind of similarly dressed in a strange sort of manner for the most mm-hmm. part. But it is it's just so ludicrous. And um, but I always. What one of the draws to this game was that 
I was into really American martial arts films. Like they, mm-hmm. I knew they weren't as good as the sort of the Asian masterpieces of Drunken Master and Enter the Dragon, and I had loved those films for what they were. But I loved the sort of the really crap American Pure action cheese, films. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I don't, I'm not talking like Kurt Russell style. I'm talking where they played it serious. And and one of one of my first childhood crushes was Cynthia Rothrock. Like she was, she was just so badass, beating up all these these guys. And I thought that she was just amazing. And then there was no doubt that Sonya Blade was Cynthia Rothrock. So the fact mm. that I could play Sonya was like a a big thing for me uh, mm. in, in the arcade as this kid. And and she was you know, my ten dollar leotard. Yes, yes. <laughs> the pool, I don't know if it was that expensive. And th- that. <laughs> So Sonia was like the the character that I would choose to play in the arcades because in my mind I was sort of, you know, kicking ass with Cynthia Rothrock and I thought that that Mm. was really cool at the time. Yeah, loads of hair, loads of makeup. And um, yeah, what I would actually say about Mortal Kombat, and this is true of most things in the early 90s, just as most things in the early 80s still, if you go back and watch footage from the time, if you watch early 80s stuff, it looks very 70s. And similarly, if you watch early 90s stuff, it looks very 80s. Because, mm. you know, decades don't just transition like seamlessly on the midnight. of, yeah. of the, So so I'd, I'd say Mortal Kombat feels, although it's 1992, it feels more like a product of the 80s in many ways than it does of the 90s. 90s um yeah and actually you know all the games we're talking about today were crammed into the the first just about the first half of the 90s and uh yeah it never really it's a series that it gets maybe slightly darker in tone in places but never really matures and i think that's to its benefit <laughs> i think you know if we ever do go on and talk about some of the um some of the later volumes in the series between mm-hmm. uh this and the 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 nine the 2011 kind of reboot yeah i think yeah. we might find that some of those have i don't know i'm pure speculation on my part but maybe some of those will have lost their charm it's kind of wild it would be a great discussion because this is a this is a sort of a franchise that was really in the wilderness for 16 years like people would know of mortal kombat and it would get the advertising and the hype but it was a whole different game between the first three or you know if you include five if you want ultimate and trilogy but um to to mortal kombat 9 in 2011 like that is like a whole other mortal kombat friend mm-hmm. it's so bizarre yeah so obviously the actual gameplay is important uh we talked about the satisfaction of actually hitting but i think overall and we'll see reference to this in our correspondence and three word reviews as much as i had that great day during the summer of uh, 94 in the middle of the world cup as i recall um playing this Amiga version with my friends with, you know, reduced one button controls and less animation and all that sort of thing. Uh, this game never, for me, had the fluidity of of many Japanese fighting games. I'm not even just talking about Street Fighter 2. I'm talking about uh, earlier examples of the genre as well, not even just Japanese games as well. Things like IK, IK Plus had already offered a much more kind of, uh, uh, yeah, fluid is the word that, that I can think of. Mm-hmm. Um even uh, I guess another game that may have had a little influence on Mortal Kombat. It was actually a sword-based game, but Palace's Barbarian, uh, which was a, a 1987 um, Barbarian on Barbarian and Barbarian on Barbarian <laughs> Barbarian fighting game, uh, which famously featured decapitations, uh, may have been an influence as well. And that me and me and my friend Neil had a lot of fun playing that game, uh, and that you know had similar uh, thing going for it. It had a lot of animation, but it but it it felt quite stiff and rigid. And I think even going back to Mortal Kombat now 
if you could compare your then and now guys like i still think that mortal kombat then felt quite stiff and now i'm just talking about mortal kombat one here it feels really kind mm. of creaky like the characters feel very oh, yeah. uh they're very difficult to to kind of get them to do anything that f- looks or feels fluid mm-hmm. they they look light but feel heavy and it's it, it's this really slow awful almost robotic straight back you know sort of rock'em sock'em robot style mm-hmm. punching and and kicking that that um was passable at the time but if i wanted to even sort of in 1992 if i wanted to play a beat up in the arcade I would lean towards Street Fighter because it always played better even then, and Mortal Kombat did feel a little bit rough. But it was of that mindset where Mortal Kombat was a little bit cooler at the time, which seems really weird when you talk about it because it is such a time capsule of a, of a, so of a title. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's ridiculously uncool. But um, just at the time, you'd sort of pass it up. Plus, the uppercut was always a cool thing. Like I always felt like oh, yeah. the uppercut that got right and everything else just wasn't that sort of that level yeah yeah i kind of like the roundhouse kick too that seemed pretty it's it's basically it's a horizontal uppercut in a way they go flying across the screen and the sound effects is pretty good as well. yeah and the sweet trip still i mean yeah it still provides some comedy uh Yeah. Um, and yes, yeah, something that we'll talk about throughout the series. Uh, I, I did recomplete Mortal Kombat for the first time in, I guess, quarter of a century almost. Um, uh, on the easiest setting of five, they all have five difficulty settings um, and using a number of credits. Uh, but using Shang, uh, no, Liu Kang, sorry, who is the, um, the canonical protagonist right. of the first yep. two games. Uh, I did beat uh, Shang Tsung uh, after, after taking down Goro and got an achievement to prove it. Um, but uh, it, it was yeah. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of uh, cheesing and working out yeah, um, sort of what what the what the fundamental flaws in the AI are. Um, and yeah, we yeah we'll come back to this with the other games. This this was not the hardest of the three by any uh, no. five no by, no by any manner of means. But uh, yeah, still still yeah. not exactly wicked to play against computer. Yeah, I would I would say um, it kind of goes for pretty much any fighting game, really. But like, this these games are definitely much more enjoyable against another person in the same room with you. Like playing against AI for me is just it, it's not even worth it. Honestly, I, I wouldn't recommend anybody does it right now. But it's just if you, but if you have someone else in the room with you, it's mm. it's at least a slightly more enjoyable experience. Yeah, yeah. This has been my my downfall of of many years. As I say, not having. Uh, regular multiplayer opponents for Mortal mm-hmm. Kombat. Uh, obviously, you can play the modern ones online, and that's uh, that's something. But yes, you won't find a game of uh, even the arcade collection now. You, no, you, I can't you, find anybody. No, I'll just churn. Uh, but yes, definitely worth uh, having if you do have somebody who has yeah a, who wants a chuckle about a '90s fighting game. <laughs> yeah. um, so a few yeah a few other things of note. Um, secrets uh, included the famous uh, reptile. Mm-hmm. Um, that that you had to uh, i can't remember the exact sequence of uh things that you had to do to fight reptile but it wasn't easy you, you saw it on the bridge level uh, that's right some something happened then you had to get a double flawless without blocking yep. yes 
Why did the yeah, and this this sets up the tone of ridiculously hard to execute on <laughs> things. And of course, bear in mind, listeners, especially our younger listeners, there was no internet back then. No. So uh, uh, the, yeah. this was this is right up there with the likes of can you uh, Tomb Raider uh, press the shoulder buttons to the tune of Wannabe to get naked Lara Croft and stuff. <laughs> yeah. These ridiculous yeah, urban yeah. legends mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. even at the time when I heard that you have to wait, and it's not every time, it's only certain times on this level, then you've got mm. to get a double flawless without and i'm like this yeah, is yeah, no yeah what this did even this is too ridiculous for me to believe it blew my <laughs> mind when i saw it yeah mm-hmm. green skin ninja is available at the bottom of the pit um <laughs> there's an environmental uh there's environmental fatalities on top of the character specific ones the fatalities uh, obviously uh there's just i think it's just one per character in the first game and they're not yeah. that difficult to execute uh you still only get a very short time window and this was one of the things that frustrating me for for years was just how little time you get to execute fatality and this was obviously Mm -hmm. all again designed to keep people playing the game over and over again Mm -hmm. but to me it was a bit off-putting because it was these secrets were so well hidden so unknown to most people like i guess in maybe some in um, american arcades perhaps people were more sociable perhaps there was more of a scene but in british Mm. arcades I'm not saying there wasn't a scene because there were, you know, as I've talked before about the Street Fighter and King of Fighters years in the in the mid to late 90s, where there were particularly loads of Asian kids in Brighton arcades hanging around sharing secrets and tactics. Mortal Kombat never really quite had that scene in in Brighton, in my experience, Mm. maybe in London. I'm not sure. I do remember uh, going down to West Street in uh, when Mortal Kombat 2 was new out and I remember seeing a load of kids with um, the uh, books that had been given away with a magazine with one of those pulpy uh, free books that they used to give away with all the with all the codes in and they were all they all had pencils and they were all scribbling stuff down and taking notes of each other so there, there was there was some of that but back mm. at this point really you were just you yeah you were just hostage to fortune if you didn't if you didn't know, you it's like cracking a safe. It was kind of strange. We did. I wouldn't say we had a scene in the fact that we're so out of the way and not a major city by any stretch, but we getting a fighting cabinet in was like a deal. Like you heard about these fighting cabinets coming in and people would play, and there were little crowds for Mortal Kombat, and there were people that would take it so serious that they would cover their hands when they pulled off a fatality because mm. they knew how to do it and others didn't, and it was oh, that's really strange. Back. Yeah, yeah. And, and just to see people doing this, and you're like, what did you do? He's like, I'm not telling you. It was like bragging rights, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, that's, some, that's a t- element I'd almost completely forgotten. But yes, I remember that very clearly. Cause, so we should say, uh, for those who don't know, the button layout was unusual in that it was like a cross with, with a button in the middle on, on the uh, dedicated coin-ops, which is actually what I saw most of with Mortal Kombat. I yeah. re- very rarely saw it in non-dedicated coin-ops, probably because of the specific hardware and the specific controller that it needed but yeah it was so it was um you know high punch low punch low kick high kick as the corners of the x and then the block button was in the middle which was which was weird in itself to me and and that was something that actually put me off i've always preferred games which allow you to pull away to block like street fighter um whereas a block button is is still anathema although i have improved with that slightly in recent years um, so yeah, you would. You were absolutely right, Carl. You would get people who had learned, or taught themselves, or been told, or read how to do a particular fatality or, or execute another secret, and yeah, they would totally mask it so that they could be <laughs> smug, turn around, wink at the crowd, you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, no one was taking photos in those days, but um, yeah, you're absolutely right. 
Uh, another urban legend, of course, that did surround this game. This one wasn't true, although it was made real. Uh, when <laughs> when the team started to uh, realise that urban legends surrounding the game were actually great currency for them in terms of getting mm-hmm. people to come back. And uh, I haven't uh, looked up sort of figures for uh, coin-ops uh, sold for each version and money taken, but suffice to say that for the years that we're talking about um, these cabinets were selling a ton of, uh, like, by in comparison to other coin ops, these were everywhere uh, mm-hmm. around the world, certainly. And the the dollar take was was astronomical. Yeah, it was a juggernaut of an arcade yeah, machine. It was, um, but yes, Ermac. Uh, so came from a an error message that somebody spotted in the code somewhere or something like that. Error macro, um, and so there became a rumor that there was a red. Uh, palette swapped uh, ninja um, but there wasn't <laughs> <laughs> again yeah. it, it's kind of weird and and the fact that one of them in reptile was true and, and the ermac one yeah. which seems more logical because someone had seen the word rather than heard right. that you've got yeah. to get yeah. a double flawless no block victory yeah. at the bottom of a pit yeah. um yeah so I, I think um i didn't believe reptile for the longest time until i saw it and then yeah. I totally believed Ermac had to be true as well. Yeah. And wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we've obviously talked a little bit about fatalities, uh, the concept of which apparently evolved from the dizzy mechanic of other fighting games. Uh, Boone, Ed Boone said that he hated being dizzied, um, but that it was fun to have one's opponent get dizzied and get in a free hit. Uh, so Boone and Tobias decided they could eliminate the aggravation of getting dizzied by having it occur at the end of the fight after the outcome mm. had already been decided. That sort of makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but yes, that window really is uh, seemingly very brief. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I wanted to mention uh, also that a few things from Mortal Kombat. Now, I think the film is partly responsible with, with that famous, uh, the, you know, famous music and, and whatever. As, as cheesy and naff as it is, it's still often when people make lists of the worst video game movies, because frankly, nobody ever makes a listicle of the best video game movies. But normally Mortal Kombat's down the bottom of the yeah. worst music movies because it's so daft that it's hard not to enjoy it on some level. And Christopher, <laughs> yeah, Lambert's like clearly having, Christopher Lambert's clearly having a fantastic time. Oh, yeah, he's um, I believe it also. Is, is widely regarded to follow the Silent Hill arc, which is the first film is okay <laughs> and the second right. film is an abomination. I've, ne- bars, yeah. I've never seen Mortal Kombat Annihilation, but there was a TV series and all sorts happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of these happened like in the mid '90s after the series was already perhaps you know peaked and starting because that's the way of these things. They, you know, like the Angry Birds movie came out like four years after the the craze had ended because that's production leading. But that said, what I was getting at is things like flawless victory like i'd say that's that's almost it's that's almost gone into the lexicon beyond video games certainly yeah. uh, like i think people might might say that who had never played a video game because it's kind of somewhat wormed its way into the lexicon i think if you said flawless victory now in a sort of cod oriental you know vague vaguely defined oriental accent now i think most people would kind of get the joke they might not what know where it now. originally came from but they know what it means <laughs> yeah. and so on yeah. and so forth also yes uh, our friend dan clark mentioned that uh, we have to mention this it was i don't know if this was true in american magazines but gaming magazines at the time particularly games master which extraordinarily uh, started the same year as 
Mortal Kombat 1 came out. The TV show was 1992. The magazine started at the same time and is still going. Games Master Magazine, with the you know the the official Games Master Magazine, is still uh, still comes out monthly, I believe. Um, and it was a running gag because they had the the magazine was pitched slightly younger than other Games Mags. Um, and how can I be Goro? Was yep. the was the refrain? B capital B E. <laughs> How can I be <laughs> Goro? And they made a kind of whole kind of metaphysical joke about it. Uh, how can how can we all really be Goro? Uh, and of course, you couldn't be Goro. And I think again with the SNES and Mega Drive versions, there were ways that you could tap into having some kind of semblance semblance of vague control over the Goro sprite. But in the coin op, you could not be Goro. <laughs> yeah. Uh, future future editions of the game. Uh, rectified this mm-hmm. ashman 86 says i was eight years old the first time i played mortal Kombat. i was spending the night at a friend's house and he and his brother were big fans of the series until that night i'd only ever seen the game in arcades and only ever out of the corner of my eye i was not a sheltered child but i was uncomfortable with goring games and mortal Kombat's reputation for over-the-top violence was both infamous and legendary on the playground even maybe especially for kids as young as i was I told my friends about my aversion to pixelated blood, but they assured me with transparent disappointment on their faces that the SNES version <laughs> had toned down the game's violence considerably and that the blood had been replaced with spit, or at least that's how we interpreted the pinkish yeah. clouds that puffed out of the game's competence with each punch and kick. I left their house the next morning a super fan of the game, determined to learn everything I could about it and its cast of characters, particularly the Ninja, Sub-Zero and Scorpion. I'd later purchased the game for Sega CD, which I considered to be the definitive edition of the game, outside of the arcade for years to come. Arcades were already few and far between where I grew up, so while we were aware that a sequel existed, everything we knew about the second game were rumours and tidbits that were passed around the schoolyard and originated with the friend of a friend of a friend of someone's big brother. We heard about secret fatality, secret playable areas, hidden stages and boss fights. Most of it was pure myth, but some of it proved true. In fact, more than just about any other series that I can think of, Mortal Kombat has seemingly always maintained a reputation of endless secrets, ready to be unlocked or cracked, most of which were pure fabrication, but always with just enough that proved true to continue the rumours. Uh, yeah, possibly the only person in history to be pleased about the uh, the, neuter- the neutering of the of the Super <laughs> yeah. Nintendo original. Yeah, I always thought it was sweat. Actually, not I never thought about yeah. spit. Yeah, no, I thought it was sweat. Uh, it either work. Sure. Yeah. So before we move on to MK two, uh, we have four three word reviews which pertain just to Mortal Kombat one. Martin says style over substance. Mealtime strategy says forewarned is forearmed. <laughs> Kurt Peterson says, sibling rivalry creator. And Andy CT says, agorious ESRB progenitor. Nice. That's <laughs> easy for you to say. <laughs> so Mortal Kombat 2, Ed Boon said, when we finished Mortal Kombat, Acclaim did the home version and they sold 6 million copies or something crazy like that. We had already started talking about doing a Star Wars game. And then our general manager at the time came to us one day and said, what do you mean a Star Wars game? You can't do a Star Wars game. You've got to do another (laughs) Mortal Kombat game. The notion of sequels wasn't even something that we had entertained. It's an an amazing quote considering how how his career went. (laughs) And we are now on version 11 or something like that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ashman86 says, It wasn't until Mortal Kombat 2 saw a port to home consoles that I finally got my hands on it. 
Even now, decades later, I can vividly remember sitting down in front of my TV to play it for the first time. At the time, I still felt rather uncomfortable with blood in games, but I wasn't about to let that prevent me from enjoying the sequel to what had become one of my favourites. I had something of an epiphany that day when I realised just how exaggerated and cartoonish the gore looked. Mine may sound like the story of innocence lost to violent gaming, the kind of story I'm sure some conservative politician would love to appropriate for his or her own agenda, but I actually credit Mortal Kombat 2 for teaching me a valuable lesson that day. It was the first game in which I was able to consciously identify and separate the concept of violence on the screen from violence in the real world. It grounded me in a way that's hard to articulate. Mortal Kombat 2 remains my favourite game in the series to this day. I'd argue that its more iconic stages like Pit 2 and Dead Forest are some of the best in fighting game history. And it was jam-packed with secrets like the secret boss fights with Smoke and Noob Saibot, Shang Tsung's secret fatality in which he morphs into Kintaro, and the rather silly ability to force an enemy's corpse to drop from the spiked ceiling of the combat tomb. Oh, and it was completely mind-blowing to me at the time to learn that two of the first game's bosses, Reptile and Shang Tsung, were actually playable this time around. Mm. That's a really interesting point about, uh, yeah, because we should say there were umpteen newspaper articles and, you know, in the usual places and TV controversies and items on daytime TV, the usual, Mm -hmm. you know, hand wringing nonsense. And when you look at the graphics of this game now, it seems absurd, but you do have to think about the context of the time that these graphics were to the eyes of parents and grandparents more, quotes, realistic than anything Mm -hmm. we'd seen before. So there were concerns. and. You know, studies still go on, but actually I think Ashman makes a really interesting point there that I think for, for many of us, the violence was so, so kind of ridiculous and it is all these big smushes of ketchup and, and whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, there's there's possibly another discussion to be had when we, when if we do ever cover the more recent games, which now are getting closer to photorealistic, especially in yeah. the depiction of the internal organs of the human beings <laughs> being ripped yeah. apart. Now, I still think it's kind of absurdist, but to some people, I think they genuinely would find some of the modern fatality depictions disturbing. Whereas I think if yeah. you showed pretty much anyone Mortal Kombat 2 now, like I think my mum is very sensitive to this stuff. I think she would go mm-hmm. kind of, you... But I don't think she'd be like, oh, my God, that's appalling. You know, yeah, it's hard yeah. to say. But uh, Joshi Hatsumitsu says the whole censorship thing became irrelevant by the time Mortal Kombat 2 came along. The SNES cartridge is still in my collection. I think I spent even more time on this bigger, bloodier and bolder sequel, working my way through all the characters and all fatalities and secrets. I felt like it's a better game to control than the first game. Or maybe I just like that there was much more content yeah so my memories mm. of this game are seeing that coin up seeing the kids with their notebooks uh <laughs> it, i remember the screen on this machine being very large for the time a massive crt i don't know what inches it was but i'm guessing like 25 or 27 or something like that it seemed mm. seemed gigantic for um 1994 um and yeah i bought the mega drive version um oh no the SNES version. I had the SNES version. That's right. Yeah, I had a, I had a Super Nintendo by this point. Um, the reviews for both versions were very similar. There were normally, uh, you know, this was pre-Digital Foundry, but there were normally magazines that would say, well, this version's slightly quicker or this version's got slightly sharper graphics. And I think overall the Super Nintendo version was just slightly recommended normally for audio reasons over the Mega Drive version. But again, they were they were fine ports by, by Probe and 
having the Super Nintendo version pretty much felt like having the coin up in your home. Like the characters were a bit smaller and the resolution was a bit lower, but pretty much everything was crammed in there, including the the secrets and the speech and and everything else. So it was uh, it was a, it was a it was a great time to be alive. But it did cost <laughs> me. I'm pretty sure it was fifty five quid or something like that because <laughs> these were large mm. um, megabit cartridges to to fit everything on them carl uh, what versions did you play do you remember when this arrived in your arcade was there a buzz yeah there was there was talk by this point there was a lad at the end of my street i was talking to who um again like the same cultural sources as me with big trouble in little china we'd go around to his house and watch it and he was in with some of the people that were running the arcades and he loved fighting games so it was kind of an ideal mixture of all these things um and he was saying oh mortal kombat 2 is coming to the arcade you know, in a couple of weeks, in a week, and then he was like, shall we go? So we ended up going into into Red Car, where the main arcades were at the time, and there was Mortal Kombat 2 absolutely brand spanking you in mm. that that morning. Um, and, and sort of I jumped on it immediately and started playing Mortal Kombat 2, uh, which, which was nice because it was a case of beating the crowds, but I was disappointed because I no longer had Sonya to play. Um, so oh, I'd, yeah. kind of, I'd kind of lost my main character. Ah, uh, mm. Which was which was a little bit frustrating, um, but you know you make do. I was able to find Kung Lao and, and Baraka as two new characters that I very much enjoyed playing as. Um, played it a bit in the arcade. I seem to remember playing the first game in the arcade more than I played the second. But when it came to the home releases, and I can't specifically point to whether I owned the game, borrowed the game, or rented the game. I can't think that I must. I seem to remember renting it, but having it for a very long time. So maybe I owned it, but I had the Super Nintendo version, and I played the heck out of that one mm. um, as well. That that got a, I put more time into that one than I did it, even the first one on the Amiga. So uh, of all the Mortal Kombat games, Mortal Kombat Two is probably the one I've put the most amount of time into. I absolutely adored it. Uh, the Super Nintendo no longer had a, a sort of a really dumbed down release. It had arguably the best release uh, 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 that we'd seen on home consoles and I was very happy playing away with that on my Super Nintendo um, I was aware that it obviously wasn't arcade perfect this was a time when you know it that term still meant something and it was a big deal but I was never shy of an arcade if I was up here we had a stand-up cabinet if I went down south I actually had the pleasure of playing on a large scale even larger scale sit down Mortal Kombat 2 unit which was very fancy I could hold my own by this point I was only a little bit older but I was you know a a better player by the time that I I had my hands on this um, compared to playing the first Mortal Kombat in the arcade so I actually felt like Mortal Kombat 2 was a really great time for its release and for me playing it in the arcades as well i have a lot of fun memories of playing it both at home and in the arcades sean do you remember the the mortal kombat 2 hype not not really i remember more i i played a lot of it at home like also on super nintendo as well um but i i have vague memories of being in the uh, arcade and seeing it like uh, around when it came out and just realizing again like how much i couldn't believe it actually looked better than than the first game like that much better too it, yeah. it seemed like a significant improvement even mm. today like playing it two to one is a pretty mm. big jump um yeah uh visually but um I, yeah like i remember playing it so much back like back in the day like at home like with my friends and with my dad um playing it a lot then too and uh just being wowed by all the new characters and and the new graphics and everything and like uh ash was saying earlier with the stages like being like like moving a lot in the background like all the i mean they had Mm. a little bit of that in the first game too but this one had like the you know the the forest with the trees and the faces back there which just looks so stupid and you would see like characters pop out in here and there and 
was kind of a cute little thing too. But um, yeah, I played it mostly uh, at home. Yeah, I thought that stage was so atmospheric and cool back in mm-hmm. in, in 1994 yeah. five i should say this game came out in arcades originally in uh april 1993 um there were various uh, revisions um going up in into 94 the home versions didn't arrive until late 94 so it was already a year and a half old at this point so i guess i bought mm-hmm. my i bought my copy when it was brand new i guess i was 22 years old uh, but yes again um while I, c- I completely agree that the graphics still look like a big old step up from the first game when playing uh, the 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 360 version, mm-hmm. which is an emulation. Um, the yeah, things like the tree stage have lost some of their luster. Uh, everything yeah, looks so sure. much fuzzier than I remember it. Like this game looks mm-hmm. so pin sharp. It's that classic thing, and we talked about before how some people don't quite have this this same thing. But my experience certainly is that my eyes, my brain. Uh, interprets things based on the resolution that I'm used to seeing at the time. So, mm. and and certainly, I think I've spoken to most people across the Kane and Rinse team, and and we all have similar things. Which you know, as you talk about now, going back to PS3 games and finding them really fuzzy, whereas just mm-hmm. five six years ago they looked incredibly pin sharp. Well, this is like <laughs> right. that only only magnified over over a quarter. You know, best part mm-hmm. of a quarter of a century. Um, that said, I still think. Like this game has a certain appeal to it visually, yeah. like as as fuzzy as it is, yeah. as um, as as kind of stiffly animated and whatever. Mm-hmm. I think the color palette and the general yeah, so vibrancy. Say, yep. yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Carry on. No, no, no. no yeah, I was going to agree with you. It's just the color palette is is really what makes it stand out. Uh, even going jumping ahead a little bit, but going to three, I think three's yeah. a little bit more muted. Like two yes. really sticks out as far as like each character having their own very specific color palette and and even the the levels too like that the the uh the pit stage having like a much like it's it, when i think about it it's mostly just like kind of like a gray uh uh floor and a black background but when you look at it more it's a lot more detailed to the night um the night sky and and the characters in the background with the flaming guy in the background it's just all Really yeah. good little touches here. And there. We should say that this game, we we're obviously we're not uh, going too much into the lore and the story of Mortal Kombat. It's all out there mm. if you want it. Uh, we don't have time, <laughs> but this this game uh, takes us more into the into the Nether Realm itself. Is that right, yeah. or the out the yeah. outworld, whatever it's called? And um, <laughs> and I really like those. Uh, I again, it's kind, it's all kind of campy, goofy stuff. But mm-hmm. I really like like the color of the the acid pit and the mm-hmm. the kind of yeah. the mad green clouds in the background and mm-hmm. um things like that that yeah it's it's feels like um yeah it feels like a haunted house kind of um <laughs> exhibition yeah. or something like that it's 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 campy goofy horror fun and and i like yeah. it for that jade noob cybot and smoke were your kind of secret characters obviously noob cybot famously uh, boon tobias backwards mm-hmm. or tobias <laughs> boon backwards uh a sort of a silhouette of a character. Uh, Jade was a character you could fight if you met certain conditions, uh, as was Smoke, I think. Uh, new actual regular playable characters. Baraka, who was probably my favourite because um, of his snickety-choppity move. Uh, yeah. Blade Storm or whatever it's called. Uh, Jax, who was a... Uh, originally, he wasn't intended to be topless, but apparently the actor who played him wanted to show off his torso, so he became <laughs> became topless. Uh, Kitana, Kung Lao that, with the hat. Melina, 
uh, Kintaro, Shao Kahn. So there were uh, there was an extra female character, but we'd lost Kano and Sonya, uh, although they were visible on one of the stages, uh, chained up in the background, obviously leading to rumours that they were uh, available to be freed and playable somehow. There were also <laughs> rumours of uh, a red palette swap for Katana, Scarlet, uh, Red Robin, a red palette swap of Scorpion, Hornbuckle, a green palette swap of Liu Kang, who's in the background of the Pit 2 stage. Uh, and Blaze as well as the Liu Kang on fire in that stage. Uh, and Emerald was a rumour, uh, a rumoured character swap of Melina in green, as you'd expect. Um, so, but yeah, this <laughs> really was... turned it up. And I, oh, I remember yeah. the Chinese whispers in the yeah. arcade were just out of control and in the magazines as well too. yeah even if you even if you didn't have the arcade scene if you if you were buying any of the the magazines yeah. that were skewed towards the younger readers like cvg and games master every month like the the letters page the tips the section yeah yeah the write-ins would be all like how yeah how do you get how do you get this i've heard that there's this <laughs> and all this kind of thing yeah it was insane and obviously the the development team which was largely the same by the way uh, with a couple of additions um they'd obviously you know cottoned on to the fact that having all this uh, Easter egg and secret stuff, like this wasn't a new thing for Coinops, but to have this level of it, this amount of stuff crammed in was uh, was uh, was unusual and it was creating such buzz and such word of mouth. Um, now you had multiple fatalities instead of just the one per character, so you had more to work out in that regard. There were babalities and obviously this... The weird thing is about the second game is it both darkens it and lightens it as well. In yeah. the, the sense that <laughs> yeah. like, the fatalities are kind of more gory and, and nasty in a lot of yeah. places um and and the tone of the backdrops and everything and perhaps even and the soundscape is a bit darker overall yeah. but you've got you can turn your enemy into a baby and there's friendship finishes uh they moved the the mini games as we said uh and the point system uh there are some i still love the the pit the second pit fatality there's kind of a little mode seven effect where uh if you punch punch the guy off the bridge in the pit stage, you get the uh, 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 kind of top-down view of them yeah. panicking yeah. <laughs> and falling backwards and landing yeah. heavily on the ground. Clinging at air. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, it meant they, they had to remove that from the MK Trilogy version because it would have meant creating new sprites for the characters that they brought back into the that game. So, uh, And there was an, another urban legend was the Animalities. Um, now I think one of the fatalities I think is it Liu Kang turns into a dragon yeah, in into a dragon. Yeah. so that mm-hmm. led I think it was mainly that and possibly maybe there was another one a scorpion as well I'm not sure but um, or was that in MK3 the, the scorpion was Mortal Kombat 3 and it wasn't, and it wasn't scorpion. scorpion yeah famously <laughs> yeah. Um, but yes yeah, so there were, there were rumours that everyone had an animality uh, which is of course yeah. something they made uh, in the next game yeah so and again I bought this, paid a lot of money for this. Um, I think I persuaded some people to play it with me a bit. I'm sure I played it with my girlfriend at the time and a few friends, but it was completely incomprehensible to my, you know, 20-something-year-old friends who weren't massive gamers. They enjoyed coming around and playing games. You know, this was the 90s. I played video games with my friends all the time. We played games, you know, regularly and religiously, but Mortal Kombat wasn't very useful to people who didn't invest in Mortal Kombat. Like hmm. all, you, all you could do was spam and yeah. hope that things yeah. happened, and you didn't know any of the fatalities. And if you were playing against somebody who knew the game a bit better, you'd either button bash and win and not feel that great about it, or you'd button bash and lose and not feel that great about it. So, <laughs> I mean, th- these are sort of endless problems. I know some people still talk about even on our forums up to this day, because we've got quite a few serious fighting game enthusiasts in the, in the community now and and among the team. And I think some people still don't kind of get it because they have that same 
sort of feeling that the these are games that need a quite quite an amount of investment and this is why people are currently making these fighting games which are going hopefully to to be more accessible to people without knowing all the you know the arcane uh joystick inputs and things like that but unfortunately this meant that i spent hours and hours and hours just playing on my own and the ai was even more maddening than the first game it was ridiculous in this one now i did beat it and i beat it again uh just the other day i've got the achievement to prove it <laughs> i don't have the achievement <laughs> for umk3 i'll tell you now uh yet um but i also spent a ridiculous amount of time just because i wanted to see everything playing with two controllers plugged in <laughs> and just seeing all the fatalities, all the, fatalities, all the yeah. verbalities, all the friendships. Yeah. And this was to no end, by the way. Other, there's no achievements. No, you right. can't save anything. This was just to see it happen. Such mm-hmm. simple times. But I got my 55 quid's worth out of that cartridge, even without playing it properly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I bought it, but I certainly got whatever value for money out of the same game. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had a lot of the same problems in that my friends, other than the led at the end of the street who, you know, I wouldn't call a friend. He wasn't necessarily the best kid. Um, <laughs> none of them played Mortal Kombat, so it was quite hard to find someone to play with. And when I, when I could convince someone to play Mortal Kombat 2 with me, yeah. they couldn't figure out why they couldn't throw fireballs using quarter circle forwards and punches. Yeah, because that as well, yeah. The, mm-hmm. These were the things that had become so normal from Street Fighter because it seemed like everybody played Street Fighter and everyone knows how to throw a, a fireball, a dragon uppercut, and a hurricane kick. And none of those worked. I mean, we've already had it referenced in the uh, earlier uh, feedback from the community about being able to play it on a keyboard because of the input commands from Mortal Kombat, which tend to be something like back, forward, punch, forward, forward, punch, down, down, up kind of style, um, more than quarter circles and whatnot. So it was... A case that when I was playing with friends, they would just throw upcuts, upcut, upcut, yeah. upcut, high kicks um, as well. Yeah, 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 and I'd end up doing the the new Liu Kang um, bicycle kick across the stage. Mm. Uh, these these are his long range fireballs, mm. and and it was never really fair because I was committed to playing this game and I understood the mechanics, but it was very hard or it's seemingly very hard for other people to pick up and play in the same way that Street Fighter was. Um, and, and as a result, my home play was very different to playing someone on an arcade cabinet. And as I would end up playing with two controllers plugged in just to go through the, the different alities in the same way that you, the yeah. same way that you would, Leon, <laughs> just to be able to get the most out of it. And I can't remember if it's Mortal Kombat 2 or Mortal Kombat 3 with Baraka, where his friendship is he cuts out the uh, paper figures and holds them above his head. Either way, one of my all-time highlights of Mortal Kombat, the first time I pulled that out as a friendship, uh, yeah. genuine tears of laughter. <laughs> Uh, so yes, the conversions came out. As I say, uh, we talked about uh, them. They were again, Probe largely handled them. They were largely excellent. Reviews were much better in the West than in the East, uh, which is uh, kind of unsurprising. And I think that the criticism is against the game, as much as we might all agree. And I know for a lot of people, MK2 was the peak of the series. I, I went on some kind of, uh, I went NeoGaf and places like that, places I don't normally venture. Mm. And although there's some, dis- you know, some debate about mk2 or or umk3 uh mm-hmm. it's pretty much between those two as as to people's favorite a lot yeah. of people swear by mk2 as being as being the peak uh and yeah largely i think the the gameplay was 
similar but an upgrade to the first game in terms of responsiveness and depth and and whatever else and there's definitely fun to be had in two player that was going to be my question to you guys is because going going into this podcast uh i would have agreed with the majority that that mortal kombat 2 when i think back on it like that's my favorite one Mm -hmm. and i'm wondering after having played it this last week uh again on the on the collection i'm wondering if if that's just because of how um impressed i was by all the additions at the time and so like nostalgically i think man it was so much better than the first game but now Mm -hmm. playing it again i'm like the gameplay is is like a little bit better Mm -hmm. but it still felt kind of stiff to me in spots and and still like I, i i would throw i got so close to throwing my controller across the room which hasn't happened in, <laughs> i don't even know how long because whenever you get when you get stuck in one of those like the enemies just punch 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 mm-hmm. that, that kind of thing like oh my god mm. that would drive me insane so i was i was curious if you guys had 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 noticed like a significant shift in in better gameplay in two than one or just incremental maybe kyle sounds like you were a big fan at least at the time Personally, I thought that it was a huge shift. Mm-hmm. Um, even going back, I can see that there is a much larger shift. Sure, it's still a little bit stiff, and I think that's absolutely a fair criticism of, of mm-hmm. Mortal Kombat 2. But mm-hmm. compared to the first, the stiffness never got in the way of me enjoying the gameplay. Sure, the endless punch combos were frustrating. They're frustrating in so many games. I mean, there, there are, again, yeah, yeah. modern games where you get endless combos. I mean, there's endless combos in Ultimate Marvel versus Capcom 3, and it's still a great game. But um, we, we've seen mechanics where you get breaks to, to be able to break out. It's something Mortal Kombat has used. Killer um, Instinct, in, in, of in, in, in the more modern ones, Killer Instinct with the combo breakers and stuff. And these are all things that have been able to develop because of the situations like Mortal Kombat 2. So you've got to look at In terms of the progression thing, I can kind of be very forgiving about a game that came out in 93 and really did, quite honestly, move forward the the... the uh, combat scene you know it, it was never as good as street fighter 2 i'll hold my hands up and say that i genuinely believe that it was never anything close to what more uh, street fighter 2 became um but but mortal Kombat was in a good place playing second fiddle to that and and the beat-em-ups improved because of what Mortal Kombat 2 did and its implementations. Um, it's still my the one I've got the most fond memories of. It's not yeah. my, I don't think it's the best of all the Mortal Kombat games. It's Of the ones we're discussing today, I'll say it's the best. Mm-hmm. Um, and given it's 16 years in the wilderness, I've already mentioned, I don't think it leaves... You know, it, It's no mystery that it's one of the latest two is the best Mortal Kombat game. But um, Mortal Kombat 2, I think... Uh, I, I I can still get into that game and really enjoy it mm. uh, combat-wise, whereas I can't with the very first title. I think I, uh, a struggle. That said, like I think there's to answer your question, Sean. I think there's a certain um, coolness and simplicity and purity about two. So while it does mm-hmm. improve on on the first game in terms of feel and complexity, it doesn't go as far as as three and UMK three with yeah. adding the combos in and even more right, yeah. stuff. However. Uh, I think there's a reason that apart from there was a Sony Online Entertainment released version of MK2 back in 2007. So I think when XBLA was first starting to really uh, get into gear uh, on over on PSN, Sony commissioned Backbone or Digital Eclipse to do ports of Gauntlet 2 and MK2 to kind of try to keep up with, um, with what was happening on XBLA. Um, apart from that, it's 
on the DS, on XBLA, uh, and since then, apart from in the c- compilation, they keep right. They keep releasing UMK3, and I mm. think, uh, and again, reading from uh, reading those NeoGaf forums, while there are a lot of people who swear by two, there are a lot of people who feel that not three, but UMK3, kind of took things on even further so there's you know as as always there's no right or wrong answer but um i can see what you're saying like i think maybe going back now umk3 feels more like something that isn't really really ancient whereas mk2 yeah, perhaps yeah. has you know without without combos and certain other facets yeah um yeah one three word review for uh the in specifically the mega drive version is uh lee garbutt's review of uh MK2 on the Mega Drive, hilarious secret frugality. Uh, so Probe's uh, head CEO, Fergus McGovern, who died sadly a year and a half ago, uh, was immortalised in Mortal Kombat 2 uh, by being given his own kind of finishing move. Uh, check it out on YouTube. Alex79UK on MK2 says, uh, MK2 was snapped up straight away when that came out. It improved everything from the first game. More characters, more locations, more moves, absolutely loads of stuff to discover. Babalities, friendships, and of course, over-the-top gore-filled fatality finishes. The game was an immediate hit in our house. And uh, a three-word review from Martin. Follow us at Kana Rince, and Martin says, vastly improved sequel. So not that long after the home conversions of MK2, of course. That's how it works. In April 1995, two years after MK2, Mortal Kombat 3 arrived. Now, I remember this also being a pretty big deal in terms of previews in magazines and so on and so forth. But it's interesting, again, reading forums uh, and stuff like that, that it seems now that MK3 is largely remembered with a certain amount of disdain. And it's sort of it becomes apparent why in six months' time they made an ultimate version. But interestingly, the ultimate version was also greeted with a certain amount of disdain at the time because people were worried that UMK was basically ushering in an era of six-monthly iterations as with Mm. Street Fighter. And so people were, like, the home versions got considerably lower reviews because people were like, you can't make us pay 60 quid or whatever again for the same game six (laughs) months later. Whereas actually, of course... You know, in in most ways, UMK3 is widely considered an enhancement of of uh, of MK3 vanilla. Uh, Ashman86 says, I was a bit older by the time Mortal Kombat 3 hit arcades and Mortal Kombat felt like it was at the peak of its popularity. Cabinets began popping up in places I actually had access to, the movie theatre, the local recreational centre and others, and I played it every chance I got. I remember the controversy among my friends about Sub-Zero's unmasking and the robotification of Lin Kuei, of the Lin Kuei. I remember the dubious rumours of friendships, animalities, which had originally been rumoured for MK2, and babalities, all of which ultimately proved true. I also remember the addition of the run button and stamina bar that fueled the game's new combo system. Actually, I don't think the stamina bar is visible in anything other than Trilogy. Uh, but I guess it's there in the background anyway. Uh, the game's new combo system and polarised its fan base. And by God, I remember how glorious it was when I walked into my friend's house one fateful day and find him playing it on his new PlayStation. I surprised him that day when I finished him off with a fatality I'd learned in the arcades for Sub-Zero. Block, block, run, block, run. Compared to MK2, which had felt so stuffed to the brim with secrets, 3 was an entirely different beast, an absolute juggernaut. The cheat code system allowed players to unlock Smoke as a playable character for the first time in the series history, or to disable the run button, or to play Gallagher, freaking Gallagher, in-game. Uh, my Leon's note, it wasn't actually Gallagher, it was a pretty ropey 
Gallagher-esque shoot 'em up not the, not the real Gallagher. Uh, in virtually every way imaginable, MK3 defined itself through excess, an excess of executable finishing moves, an excess of secrets to unlock, and an excess of violence, the likes of which the series hadn't seen before. Bodies exploded in multiple sets of rib cages and skulls, and some fighters could literally destroy the whole world in their fatality sequences. So... Carl, memories of MK3. It was uh, the height was still pretty huge at this stage, as I recall. It was big, but I, f- I felt like it was on on the wane. Right. Um, I, I was excited for it. Um, it. Somewhere between the release of Mortal Kombat Two and Mortal Kombat Three, they released a comic book series, and I mm. started picking up the comics. I've still got, actually got the first few episodes to this day, um, and I remember being really excited. But no one else, uh, no one in my circle of friends or in the arcade seemed to be talking about it. And then one day I just went into the arcade, um, as was the way I, I most weekends, and there was just a Mortal Kombat 3 machine and no one was on it. So mm. I was like, oh, just jumped on and, you know, I could see the, the, the finally play with Sub-Zero, which we knew was being unmasked, we'd seen it in the magazines, didn't like it, didn't, uh, it felt wrong. Um, I felt betrayed. Uh, but there were so many cool new characters that I was sort of really liking the look of. Um, the, the likes of Cyrax and Sector, the two new robots, uh, Sindel. Um, I ended up sticking with Striker. Striker was my arcade uh, character that I used on, on, on the cabinet and, and loved it. Um, I couldn't understand why people weren't, you know, sort of flocking towards this machine and I was having a great time on it. Unfortunately, it was a little bit more expensive. The prices had gone up to 30 pence a play. Um, sure, it was 50 so, down here, down south. Oh, yeah. <laughs> At least. Which start, always cheaper up here. So, yeah, it was yeah. 30, pence, uh, 30 pence a go up here. For a um, house. Uh, and it was, it was that standard arcade. You get through the first three, maybe four fights and then it just got brutally difficult. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I loved the new character rosters. I was excited. The backgrounds looked wonderful. I thought visually it was the leap that I was that I didn't seem to get with Mortal Kombat Two. So um, that, that's sort of where I stood against what Sean said. Um, I found that three did appeal to me visually, and then I picked it up. Uh, the, the first time I got Mortal Kombat Three would have been at the PlayStation launch in Trilogy. Um, so that would that would be my first sort of play on the home consoles with sort of Mortal Co- the character roster of Mortal Kombat Three, should I say? But my arcade time with the original Mortal Kombat Three pre UMK Three was uh, rather limited, more so than the other two, because that arcade cabinet did not last long. Unfortunately, um, there just there just wasn't the demand. There was no crowds around the machine like there was with the first and the second game. Sadly. Um, and it was the first Mortal Kombat unit that I started to see in non-original uh, cabinets as well around the around the country. I mean, I don't know if that speaks for much, but as you said earlier, Leon, you didn't sort of see many for the first game, and then I started seeing the the sort of standard red and gold uh, makeshift arcade cabinet with a Mortal Kombat three ROM plugged in, mm. um, and it just seemed to lose a bit of its magic uh, until I, I got a hold of Mortal Kombat uh, trilogy. Sadly. It was exciting. Um, so I bought this first on Super Nintendo again by Sculptured Software this time, who were uh, a, a well-established uh, developer from the mid-80s, having made uh, things like Beachhead and uh, Ninja, um, stuff for leaderboard. Um, they were a safe, safe pair of hands. Um, now, I think, uh, again, to super fans of the coin-op, which I, I barely, if at all, played again, 
Um, the com the conversion was somewhat lacking, but actually the reviews for the conversion were really good. Again, it was an expensive car, and although I'd been slightly dis disappointed and saddened that I hadn't got lots of multiplayer fun out of my uh, MK2 car, I still felt I would get enough fun out of uh, just playing, <laughs> plugging two controllers in, <laughs> playing all the, getting all the fatalities and stuff. Uh, so I bought it again, and then yeah, I replaced my SNES copy with a PlayStation copy. Um, which had some issues because of the slow disc loading times, particularly Shang Tsung's transformations uh, led to a massive <laughs> yeah. pause in the middle of a fight. Um, oh, wow. Also, it was a terrible power conversion. Uh, it was massively squ uh, squashed and boarded and slow compared to the other versions. Yeah. Uh, MK Trilogy uh, came a little later and, and was somewhat improved, I believe, overall, but uh, had its own issues that we'll talk about. Uh, but I, yeah, I mean, again, I was uh, in video games fever, not that I'm ever not as as listeners will know but mid 90s was you know one of the times I was you know really just completely head over heels about video games and just buying everything playing everything and MK3 still felt seemed like a pretty big deal to me but that said yeah I have that one memory of of people crowding around an MK2 machine I don't have the same memories of the MK3 machine I remember it being there but I don't remember seeing people particularly buzzing about it that said mm -hmm. It was, you know, it was still on the cover of magazines when the home conversions were on their way and so on and so forth. So it was still it was still a big deal. But perhaps, yeah, the the this kind of the hype peak had had happened for that yeah. period. Sean, what's your memory of the time, if any? Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't have really much memory at all about the, um, the arcade version, but I did play it on uh, Super Nintendo back in the yep. day. Um, notice I refuse to say SNES. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're covering all the bases with that. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, but I remember uh, the only thing that really impressed me about this version, or this, this sequel, I guess, was the uh, uppercutting somebody into a different stage. Mm. Um, that was always like, whoa, like, how does that even happen? It changes absolutely nothing, ultimately. It's just a really no. neat visual trick. Um, for me at the time, yeah. Um, but but I, I I as I mentioned earlier with the with the the visual style, I remember even at the time I felt like everything just kind of looks a little bit more muted color wise, and the stages while it was they had some neat like uh, stage fatalities like the subway mm. uh, the subway sequence. I, the stages just really just seem kind of boring. Like you know, the stage fatality is cool, but you're also in a subway. Like back in the cares? real world, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just it just didn't really none of that really impressed me. So I I think this is really like the, my most least or my least played uh, uh, Mortal Kombat game out of any of them. Right. They yeah they pre rendered the the three D backdrop. So this was uh, during Earth for a while. Similar techniques to used in Resident Evil One and uh, and Two mm -hmm. and and Final Fantasy. That kind of uh, look. Uh, not necessarily the same resolution. I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, it gives them. It certainly dates it to an era. And there's some there's some fun stuff in there. Some you know mm -hmm. big skulls with green wavy lines in some warp portals but actually yeah there's a lot more mundanity in it and obviously that's you know there is a story and a canon to the whole of Mortal Kombat if probably I would say the the most entertaining way to learn the story of Mortal Kombat if is either watch the first just the first movie which only really gives you the story of the first Mortal Kombat but actually mm. play the story mode in MK9 in the 2011 yeah. game because yeah. that kind of covers all the bases plus you have a, a slightly more um, well a much more contemporary version of the of the fighting game uh, mm. and, that, and it's a surprisingly decent story for a fighting game yeah after a fashion sure. in, its, in its goofy campy way uh but yeah, it's, it's yeah. a good fun mode anyway definitely um 
Yeah, uh, and I think that I'm sure that was a PS Plus game a few years ago, so people may have it in their uh, library. We may cover it in full someday. Uh, so Cyrax and Sector were added. So these are uh, mustard and ketchup, the uh, the robotized <laughs> versions of the Lin Kuei. Uh, Cabal, who was some kind of masked mutant, I can't remember. Nightwolf, the uh, Native American character, because Street Fighter had one. So <laughs> by this point, mm. uh, Sindel, Shiva, who was a playable uh, stop frame character. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever species the Goros, Motaros <laughs> are. Uh, Striker, who I believe is regarded as, uh, you know, I mean, this, again, it's totally personal, but I th- I believe that Striker is often cited as one of the characters that made fans of Mortal Kombat not like Mortal Kombat 3 because of his just... He was very spammable as a character. Right. People hated playing against him because he could throw grenades, throw grenades out again yep. and again mm-hmm. very quickly. Yeah, I think they modded that in... Um, uh, they rebalanced that in, in UMK3. Yeah. But I think it was partly just his depiction, like just a goofy just a cop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Motaro was uh, the uh, the new uh, sort of centaur-like Goro creature. Mm-hmm who's actually uh, seems completely Im- unbeatable until you realise that is really susceptible on any difficulty level to um, high kick cheeses. Mm. Um, Johnny Cage, gone. Raiden, gone. Kintaro, gone. Uh, it, not- it's kind of shocking, isn't it, when you look back and you think they've reduced, uh, they removed Cage and Cage Raiden. And Raiden. It, yeah. That did not it's go crazy. down well with fans, as I understand yeah. it. Like I never... As much as I clearly I've bought and played all these games, I was never that wedded to anyone to care if a character was added or missing. Like I, I liked it when people came, you know, people came yeah. and went because it added variety. But the re- the reason it's strange is that with the second one they removed Scorpion, then in the third one they removed Johnny Cage and Raiden, and they're considered pretty much core three of the core. F- Five sort of with uh, Sub Zero yeah. with Sub Zero and Liu Kang, so that's the equivalent of Street Fighter basically removing Ken and Chun Li. Well, um, yeah, well they just, they did that for Street Fighter Three. Uh, yeah, before exactly. They put them back in. And, yeah. and and people hated that, and it was uh, there was outroar over that. Yeah. So it, it's the same kind of thing, yeah. just removing core characters. Uh, so you mentioned the stage layer transitions. Uh, yes, mm-hmm. the run button has been mentioned, which is something I still seldom use because it again, yeah. against the AI, it just runs you into trouble. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I expect there's a reason to use it when playing humans. Uh, yeah. which I've, I guess it might throw people off if, you, if they're yeah. not expecting you to charge at them. I mean, it's a fundamental part of modern fighters. but it, It's changing the pacing. It was that, that always felt like it was Mortals, Mortal Kombat's equivalent of a uh, cross-up combo. So in Street Fighter, where you jump over and attack from the other side, being able to sort of get behind in Mortal Kombat from knocking over in the air and quickly getting behind to continue Mm. the combat, or would you stop just in front of them because they'd already commit to a sweep, that kind of Mm. um, thing. So I I really liked the uh, run implementation into Mortal Kombat 3. I thought it really freshened up the franchise. It added that real oomph of pace that was lacking from the first two by... um, and it, of course, it also stopped you being so susceptible to uppercuts because the only way to cover distance with any sort of speed was to forward jump into mm-hmm. yeah. said uppercut, which was incredibly <laughs> infuriating. Yeah. So you spend you like walking towards uh, your opponent all the time. So being able to actually run over and continue your combos and, and sort of change stuff over that way uh, was something that I really appreciated in the Mortal Kombat Three. 
So as well as the game having its usual five difficulty settings in the home versions and, and I think on the dip switches of the of the arcade machine, you also had the choice for the single player of playing through the different tiers, novice, warrior, master, or also master, I think. Yeah, which are just uh, the amount of uh, cheesy AI opponents you get to fight through is reduced. Obviously, if you want to see more characters and backdrops, you need to go up the, the list and prove yourself and you can obviously get a higher consecutive win count if you care about that thing uh yeah the combat codes so this was i mean these are i always found these hard to enter even knowing what they were like (laughs) it was hard enough to it was hard enough to uh to to work them out crack the code break the you know break the safe but you had to use both controllers which was deliberate design and so it's an interesting idea but you're inputting these uh you know symbols which relate to the game and um, and you have to you have to know what what you want, know exactly how many button presses it takes, and then yeah, get them in in time to unlock time, various bits yeah. and bobs. Uh, but yeah, even knowing what they are was <laughs> it was still a pain in the backside. <laughs> uh, but they're all still there in the um, if you if you get the the most recent releases. Uh, the other uh, curiosity perhaps is the mercy. Uh, which is where you can not finish off your opponent, but in fact give them a little bit of health back. And you need mm. to be able to do mercies to do the animalities and talking about ridiculous conditions. Yeah. So uh, after you've done them, this is all ha- happens in the third round. It only works if if there's a third round for it to be done in, I think. Uh, yeah. So you have to, have to hold run, press down three times and release run. Uh, that's the mercy. Then you have to win again, and then you have to do the animality uh, code, which is obviously different to either your fatalities or yeah, and it's different for different characters. So yeah, the usual the usual stuff. And um, yes, as alluded to earlier, I don't think there'd be anything different to say about UMK3 on this because I think it's all the same AI. Um, Mm -hmm. The AI is even more hideous. In MK3 <laughs> than it was in MK2. You didn't think it was possible, and it was. Yeah, mm. it's awful. I played some. I, I remember banging my head against the wall against uh, you know against Shao Kahn and and um, yeah, Matara is not so bad, but Shao Kahn in it is, is just hideous, ridiculous, and yeah. less cheesable as far as I can ascertain. I've looked up some supposed expert guides, and even those sort of contain like right, you're going to need a lot of luck. Uh, you're going to need to execute this perfectly over and over again, over again, and even then it might not work because sometimes Shao Kahn will just kill you. <laughs> it's like yeah. it's that kind of level of stuff. So there are some achievements to be gotten. Um, I'd forgotten that, uh, yeah, UMK3 came out as a vanilla release on XBLA quite early on, uh, which I deleted and replaced with the with the trilogy collection. It's a slightly better emulation anyway. Uh, but yeah, so if I could beat Shao Kahn, I could actually get three achievements worth 82 gamer score. Not that I'm that worried about that, but it would be nice. Uh, but it would mean sitting there for hours and hours and hours and mm-hmm. smashing my head against the brick wall. So I don't know whether it's ever going to happen again. That's uh, specifically leading us into Ultimate 3, but just a couple of... A three-word reviews about vanilla Mortal Kombat 3. Uh, Martin says, underwhelming new characters. And Zomoniac says, couldn't beat Mataro. High kicks, my friend. Jump backwards. <laughs> uh, yes, so six or seven months later, uh, Mortal Kombat 3 was revised, called Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3. Um, similar uh, presentation, you know, it's, it's as you'd expect from one of these. Uh, it is the same game, but somewhat... Uh, super souped up super powered whatever you want to call it um 
it did get, uh, as I say, independent, uh, its own ports to home systems. Uh, same same team again, I think, as well. Uh, Blue Weasel Breath says Mortal Kombat 2 and 3 have held up a bit better than the original due to the more stylized and colourful graphical presentation, as well as improved mechanics. Again, these mechanics... Again, these machines showed up abruptly at our skating rink when I was a child without warning and were mobbed for weeks. As a particular group of young males, invariably males, I don't remember a single girl ever showing a modicum of interest, explored them. Whoa, this one, you can turn them into babies. Look, you can knock them into the acid pit. You can play as reptile. Mortal Kombat was neat because of secret combatants you could access like reptile in the first game, smoke and noob cybot in the second and so on. Around the time of Mortal Kombat 2, I started reading game magazines that laid out all the moves and secrets, and I distinctly remember in third grade typing up and printing out a list of everybody's moves and fatalities with cool fonts, including a bunch of wingdings, and giving this document to another kid who had asked for it about six months earlier. Finally, he said when I gave it to him. Better late than never, Blake. I hope it helped your game. I mostly played the Mortal Kombat games in arcades, but I did play Ultimate MK3 on the SNES and had a good time with it. Ultimate is probably my favourite of the original trilogy, as they'd had a chance to refine the mechanics by then, and I still find the aesthetic appealing, even today. Uh, so I only have the vaguest of memories of UMK arriving in arcades. Definitely it wasn't as big a hype as 2 or 3, uh, but I do remember it arriving on the Sega Saturn, because I was quite pleased about this, to be able to upgrade my uh, Mortal Kombat 3 on PlayStation uh, to uh, what was, was hopefully going to be an improved port of a more recent version. The only disappointment was that they stripped out a lot of the backdrops from MK3 to replace them with only five of the new backdrops from UMK3, but otherwise it was probably the most arcade faithful Mortal Kombat I'd had at home up to that point. And yes, I went through exactly the same thing of going through all the stuff with everybody again and uh, playing it against the maddening AI, but very rarely against friends. And uh, I was getting way too old for it by this point. I was in my mid-20s, but, but I didn't care. Uh, I was still going to be buying it at least two or three more times as well. <laughs> So, so why the heck? You'd barely started. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Carl, you MK3, any memories? I saw this in an arcade once somewhere, mm. and I just remember being like shocked that I'd actually seen it. There was there was just no hype for this game. Like it, it almost seemed like between Mortal Kombat three arriving in the arcades and then at home consoles, this series just lost all momentum um and and there was just no desire to be playing it in the arcades but it was kind of cool to see it in the arcades i i think it must have been 1997 i picked up a sega saturn and i picked up a cheap copy of ultimate mortal kombat 3 mm. so that would that would have been my memory of, of playing it was uh sega saturn something to play amongst the likes of athlete kings and sonic r uh, just a, a nice little break game but the thing i really enjoyed was that you got to play ultimate mortal kombat 3 with the sensational Sega Saturn controller. Yeah, that's uh, true. And I loved that. Although actually, as fighting games go, the the old the old PS controller wasn't as bad for MK as it was for other things because of the nature of the inputs of Mortal Kombat. So it was it was uh, it was slightly you know it was it was always doing quarter circles and dragon punches on the SNES uh, PS One D pad that was an issue. Whereas MK moves were more based around the uh, cardinal compass points, so it wasn't quite such a a, a ball ache. But yeah, satin pad uh, generally preferable for fighting games by and large. Just superb. Sean, do you have any remembrances of Ultimate? 
Actually, no. My my only history with Mortal, Ultimate Mortal Kombat Three starts with these past few weeks playing it on okay. the um, on the collection. So what, so. What, I'm interested. What were your findings coming to it now? Having, I guess, you have vague memories of three, so you're now playing mm-hmm. the the six month later version twenty <laughs> years later. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I've, I I honestly can't remember how they would compare back then. No, no. I, I think sure. playing this one now, um, I found it to be the most playable version of, of any of these games on this collection for sure mm-hmm. um i found the uh the combos feeling a lot more slick and and i, I enjoyed the, the, the way they looked they were much faster um but uh yeah i, I don't really i didn't, again i played it the least out of any of them i just i don't know something about just the the, the way it all looked uh, um it just didn't really appeal to me i guess i don't know mm-hmm and you haven't beaten it because Shao Kahn nope. took you out. No, yeah, I got up to him. <laughs> hey, and, and hey, while we're on Shao Kahn and Ed Boon's statements earlier about not uh, letting people get dizzied, uh, he definitely <laughs> hits you with that hammer right in the head. And I guess, yeah, that would make you dizzy, but come on. Yeah. Ah, get out of here. No, fair point. Uh, so <laughs> they brought back some of the characters that people were missing. Jade, Katana, Reptile, Scorpion, classic Sub-Zero with a mask. Ermac was uh, included and Melina. And they took nobody out, I don't think, from three because that would have kind of defeated the point, I guess. <laughs> uh, Three-word review from Lee Garbutt says broken SNESport. Uh, so Mortal Kombat Trilogy, uh, we won't do tons on this because it basically took the engine of mk3 uh on ps1 n64 and saturn n64 version had some pros and cons because it was on a cartridge so there were no uh cd loading issues but i think it had generally uh less content less animation less backdrops less sound because it was on a cart so uh swings and roundabouts as it were um now, at the time, I remember this being incredibly exciting. So it was all the cast from UMK3, plus they brought back in the characters who had been left out from MKs 1 and 2. But actually, it wasn't balanced at all. Um, no. Now, this didn't affect me that much because I was still not playing it in any like anything like a sensible fashion. It was still more about the fun of just the, the nonsense of it all and seeing seeing all the stuff. But actually reading... Uh, serious fans takes on this now is they 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 seem to be pretty sniffy about it saying it was pretty much like a cobbled together like a mugen game like a a fan project just like take taking old sprites from old games and and ramming them in there um it had some it had some nice features like you could select your backdrop from i think every backdrop in the series up to that point um they added one or two new little features of the aggression meter which built up as you fought combos and then if you had a maximum aggression meter at the end of a fight you could commit finish with a brutality which is basically where you punch them to death uh i think that's pretty much it uh beyond that i had it for a little while and then sold it i think i don't remember much else i think didn't they add rain into this one as well ah, wasn't rain purple, eventually purple added? rain yes he's on the top row of uh, of selectable characters yeah good point yeah you could select all it wasn't just the characters uh from the earlier games you could play also uh the some of the rumored and hidden characters and the uh mataro kintaro uh goro and shao khan himself mm. were given actual uh, character moves and, and finishes and things i think I cannot believe yeah. that I didn't put together Purple Rain until right now. Ah, uh, really? This is the Street Fighter <laughs> uh, M. Bison thing all over again. God. It gets even worse when you realize he's the <laughs> prince of his area in the Nether uh, Realm. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so 
Carl, did you you buy this on one of those? Absolutely, yeah. I bought it on the uh, PlayStation. <laughs> yeah. um, it was I, I didn't pick it up on the Saturn. I kind of wish I did, but the PlayStation was the one that I could take it round people's mm. just the game round people's. I don't houses think the Saturn and, version got a PAL release, possibly. Ah, uh, that might be why I didn't pick it up. Um, but I was I was very happy playing stuff on the PlayStation. I absolutely. <laughs> in a way, I absolutely loved Mortal Kombat Trilogy, and I love it in the same way that I love Fighters Mega Mix on the side. Yeah, it's glorious to see so many characters in one product, even if it is terribly balanced Broken, yeah. and doesn't work well um, as an all-round fighter. It, it's got that in common with Fighters Mega Mix, like to a T. They are the same sort of thing, but. I had not seen a roster in a fighting game so diverse and large in as I had in Mortal Kombat Trilogy probably until something like Tekken Tag Tournament 2, or, um, which was Marvel just versus Capcom uh, may, maybe Marvel vs. Capcom. That's got Capcom, like 54 characters in um, which, which, which was just, you know, to see these large rosters of, of characters with their movesets um, was, was just so much fun. Uh, but I didn't take it seriously like I did the first three. <laughs> Because of the, uh, of the just ridiculous yeah. balancing issues, but for getting someone a, a friend round who was like, ah, oh, you just want to like play a fighting game, just put Mortal Kombat trilogy on, just pick someone and just batter the buttons, yeah. um, and, and we'd have a laugh. It, it felt like he could sort of do that against people more than I could in Mortal Kombat Two, where I, I felt very much on my own. A lot of my friends owned PlayStations. Mortal Kombat tend to uh, at least Mortal Kombat Three came in a lot of bundles with the systems. So friends would have that game, so they wouldn't be so alien to the mechanics anymore. And, and the, as a result, they could play Mortal Kombat Trilogy against me because they had so many familiar characters from MK3. And I, I had a, a a great time with it, but I acknowledge that that game was incredibly flawed. I might be completely but, wrong about this, but I don't see this around very often now. I, I haven't checked the eBay prices, but I wonder if it's a little bit rare. Like, there's, It's never been re-released on anything mm. other than its no. original Saturn PS1 and N64 release. Uh, and mm. as I say, I think I don't think the Europe got the Saturn version because I bought it on PS1. I'm not I'm not entirely sure, but mm. uh, yeah, it's it's. It, I think it, it's something of a, a curio now, uh, mm. but. And it was it was everywhere at the time. Yeah, I went looking around in my old my shops around here that have all the that mostly have any kind of game from any kind of generation. Right, couldn't find it anywhere. Right, okay, uh, but yes, it seems that uh, obviously for, for for various reasons when when Midway uh, release the game now uh, they tend to just release UMK three uh, because it, you can you know they've already got they get someone like Other Ocean Code Mystics to do a, a coin op emulation rather than. Uh, try to emulate one of those impossible to emulate machines yeah. well not impossible but difficult um, and also UMK3 is probably more balanced uh, it definitely review... is more balanced <laughs> yeah. our three word review from Martin on this one is the kitchen sink so before the arcade collection that we've referred to and we've been playing uh, came out that you can get still get I believe certainly on 360 I guess you can still get it on PSN as well uh, for a few quid um, it was going to be the Mortal Kombat HD arcade collection and they went so far as to make up and photograph and costume uh, characters so that they could uh, recreate the scenes and characters with uh, new images basically in higher res 
and uh, make it all look nice and crisp. But I guess uh, there wasn't enough commitment to the project. I guess they didn't believe that it would make the money back it was going to cost them to make it because in the end they just put out the arcade collection, which, as I said, other Ocean and Code Mystics uh, emulate the three coin-ops fairly effectively. And, um, yeah, I mean, you might want to, you might prefer to play them on MAME, but you get achievements and stuff in the arcade collection and it's official, so, you know, whichever. Uh, some more three-word reviews pertaining to the whole Mortal Kombat early years type of stuff. Carl? Jinxed Thoughts says, get over here. John Mayer says, deeply flawed victory. <laughs> Glenn Watts, M for mature. Mike Bamford says, mum not happy. Angry Zeus Gaming, sweep that leg. Craigity Craig, decapitation, mutilation, fascination? And Tom Q said, stiff, gory, and memorable. Which, as I said, sounds sounds like <laughs> some first times I've heard about. <laughs> uh, so to summarise Mortal Kombat, uh, we've obviously talked a lot about memories, so I guess as time is, time is short, let's talk about uh, whether you would recommend people seek these games out now, and if so, how? Like you said, we're talking about memory and... and, and these games at least the first two are are such like bedrocks in my like gaming history like i just that, that like i said the first one changed the way i look at graphics maybe not for the best in some cases because sometimes i i'll go for like what it's realistic so it's better you know and that's not always yeah. as you said earlier that's not always the case um but would i recommend people play them now honestly probably not like i, I there are so many better fighting games even from that time i think street fighter 2 does play better than 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 all these games and um it's weird i think it's it it might be interesting to 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 play them just as a curiosity just to see how far they've come because you know i don't wherever if we ever get to do mortal kombat uh what is it nine and ten um Mm -hmm. They're so much better. Like, uh, 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 just my personal opinion, but it's just they've they've improved dramatically since this time, and it's kind of neat to see to to follow the through line there. Um, but yeah. they're not very enjoyable games to play right now, and and maybe a little bit when you're in in the room with someone else. Like I was saying earlier, like I, was, I played mm. a little bit with three with my uh, fiance, and 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 that was fun. But it was kind of like neither of us were being very good at it, and so <laughs> it wasn't really like we were seriously trying to play this game you know um so i don't know maybe there's a little bit to be fun a little bit of fun to be had but i i don't i don't really think that they're they're good games in 2017 but Mm -hmm. they still hold a special place in my heart so it's it's like it's 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 hard for me to say um but yeah it's still i'm glad that it exists and and i'm glad of yeah um, i think it's cool of all the things that it brought to gaming history honestly hmm yeah, I kind of realised preparing for this show, as I often do, uh, that I have perhaps more affection for this franchise than I expected to, because I have always thought of it as naff and tacky and gross while still buying every every example. But un- unlike so many other uh, similar things, it really owns its naff, tacky grossness. Like it, 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 it is stupid and it's like it's, it was always designed to appeal to people younger than me. And yet somehow I still kept buying it, kept playing it, kept buying different iterations, even though I wasn't getting the most out of it. And now going back to it and playing these games, 
like I'll have way more fun gameplay experiences uh, this year than I had playing these. But that's not to say I didn't have any fun. I certainly had some enjoyment, especially the first few rounds of it against the AI. <clears throat> I wouldn't. I wouldn't urge anyone other than there's a, there's a couple of situations I think you should absolutely uh, play or have these games accessible to you. One is if you're somebody who really. Uh, is interested in and respects the history of video games. I think having this trilogy collection that they released in 2011 on last gen machines now is an absolutely like integral asset of any serious gamers collection. Like, even if you don't play it that often, it's like it's important just to boot it up now and again and watch the attract sequence. And I mean, you can do all that stuff on YouTube, I guess, but it's not the same. Knowing that you can press the start button and join in at any time. Uh, I think it's a, a, a good collection to have if you're ever having a kind of you know just a, a fun retro game themed party or whatever i think you could have a lot of chuckles with it and <clears throat> any kind of event or if you obviously if you have a a vintage arcade of any kind you should have this either if you've got the pcb or a uh, or a, a nice emulation running and i realize these are quite specific circumstances but yeah overall i think yeah I, i'm totally glad that these games still exist and and that and and that the franchise has kind of refound its legs to a certain extent as well um i still think the modern games you know we're not reviewing those now but i still think they retain a lot of what is fun about the old games while being much more palatable to to modern gamers um and yeah so if if nothing else i would say check out one of the one of the the most uh, recent editions of mk uh, although yeah, you might actually find the fatalities <laughs> unpleasant rather than purely comical in those. Uh, your mileage may vary, I guess. Uh, Carl, let's conclude with you. It's easy to be disrespectful of the original Mortal Kombat games. I, I, I call them the original trilogy, but it tends to get confused with Mortal Kombat trilogy in, uh, as a separate release. Um, but from Mortal Kombat 1, 2 and 3, you seem to there seem to have been forgotten uh to to times history is nothing more than a violent fighting game that was never that good and that's not the case because this is a game that played second fiddle to to street fighter street fighter as as, as trailblazed the way for modern 2d fighting games and continues to do so uh but mortal kombat has never sort of been shy of being second and it's done a good job of it, it but it, i'm fortunate that i have the mortal kombat collection on steam um, I think that's mm. one of the best ways to play it. Unfortunately, it's been removed. I think Leon was exactly right for people to see the origins of where, not just the franchise, but early origins of 2D fighting games, the modern games that really shaped the way that we get them now. Mortal Kombat is absolutely core to that, um, and, and, and it should never be disrespected as not being. Uh, so to go, be, to go back and be able to actually experience those, I think... If you're into fighting games and the histories, then yes, absolutely do go that way. Um, these are the... I'd certainly recommend playing these three over the Mortal Kombat franchise that we got over the following 16 years up until Mortal Kombat 9 in 2011. Um, if you're only interested in playing a modern Mortal Kombat game, then by all means, in my opinion, it's a much superior franchise now than it was then. But I thoroughly enjoyed these games. Um, I still get enjoyment from playing them now. Maybe 
it's nostalgia speaking and being able to flash back to memories of playing them in the arcades or on the Super Nintendo, Amiga, um, PlayStation, and and reliving that period of myself and all my friends getting Sony Playstations and playing Mortal Kombat 3 or Mortal Kombat Trilogy and it was like a magical time in my life but other people aren't going to experience that in the same way so in that regard it's hard to recommend other than if you want to go and see the foundations um, and see what design choices you know, uh, brought about the changes that we see today. And I'd recommend them in all the same ways I'd recommend someone going back to play the likes of Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo and and games of, of, of that ilk from from that era because because I think it's important to do so uh, if you're at all interested in fighting games. So if fighting games are your bag, go back and play them. If not, leave them. Hmm. All right. So it remains for me, Leon, to thank Carl and Sean here as well as our correspondents... Some excellent stuff this issue, plus, of course, all of you for listening. And remember, if you have enjoyed listening to this and all our other podcasts, please do consider heading to the Patreon, patreon.com slash donating that minimum of a dollar a month or more if you want. And if enough of you do this, we've still got time, a couple of months or more even, to hit our target of $3,000. And then we'll make twice as many podcasts next year and beyond, hopefully. And next time, in issue 287, nothing is worse than having an itch you can never scratch. So, it's our Blade Runner podcast. Blade Runner.